Hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Woo! Keep listening. Out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that has always been skeptical of any kind of street magic. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're delving even deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome the Black Magic Coven and the Horror Queers Podcasts to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 2011 bracket. And you don't need to use a speakerphone to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in here, do you like scary movie hole? And of course, you can find us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on the Book of Face, where we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and cyber shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, March 26th, Screenland Armor, they have your genre needs taken care of indoors and virtually. And as this episode releases that very Friday, our next Friday Night Fright genius Woo! comes from the year of 2011 and is fact a film we're talking about just a little bit later. Mm-hmm. We're going to be having a chance to see up on the big screen... Cabin in the Woods. Yes. I fucking love that movie. Anytime you get to see Richard Jenkins on the big screen flipping off little uh, uh-huh. you know, Japanese schoolgirls. And anytime you can see a merman, ah, then always, it's, it's always a good day. Always looking for the merman. And speaking of monsters that you can summon, that weekend from 1989, a little film with Howie Mandel. Little Monsters? Little Monsters. Oh, sweet. Which... I haven't seen probably since on HBO back in the day. I'm telling you, Little Monsters and Drop Dead Fred would make a fantastic double feature. And it just so happens that did play just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Probably not a mistake or you know anything like that. And then, of course, prepping us for Godzilla versus King Kong, we have Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Ooh! Dun, 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 dun! Bum, 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 bum. I fucking love Godzilla movies. I've been able to, you know, basically fill my giant kaiju gap here with Screenland with some of these. Destroy All Monsters was wonderful. Seeing the original Godzilla, which is a capital F film, oh my goodness. We need to mean you dress up in like hula outfits and superimpose us as the little pixies. And so we're like sitting there, Masuraya, Masuraya. Can you not can you not see that right now? I'm afraid of what we would summon though. That's the problem. Mecha genius. Oh, ah! I, I, I really don't destroy this city by destruction. I st- like by stumbling upon things, and then Tokyo's Bonner Springs is decimated. Now is do they have to mechanize Ari Aster to fight you in an epic <sighs> duel? He's Jet Jaguar. That's what that's that's what that's what he is. No King Caesar. No, he no King Caesar. Well, then the last flick that is rounding out your genre needs uh, at Screenland is a 1984 classic that I actually did as a movie night back in my home back in the day. John Hughes, Weird Science. Ooh, <laughs> that'd be dope to see on the big screen. Well, uh, Bill Paxton's role as Chet is yeah. still an all timer for me. Now, of course, if you are not ready to go indoors, that is okay because then on Saturday. 
the 27th, we have our latest Shutter shout-out. Mm-hmm. Genius, what two films are we going to be streaming and talking about? I forgot. Oh, don't worry. It is going to be, <laughs> in that case, it is going to be Tourist Trapped and That's Society. Right. That's right. Tourist Trap and Society. We're going to have uh, the, the Hunt and Shunt connection. Oh, Oh, that's that does. It's gonna be yuck. It's gonna be yuck, Connors. Yuck, Connors, indeed. You might want to cover your eyes. Now, of course, we are streaming those on Shutter, and if you are not already subscribed, there are a number of uh, seven-day trials that you can utilize. Do it, and of course, that is free. Now, if you would like some customized content that does include a pre-show, intro, trailer reels, and post-film discussion, all you need to do is become a member of the Screenland Film Family by heading over to patreon.com slash screenland. And hey, if we are talking uh, film family and Patreon... Hey, pallies. Don't forget, this is actually going to be here next month is going to be us celebrating our first full year of Patreon pallies. Get the fuck out of town! I know, That's I know. awesome! And of course, uh, that means you can get access to a number of things, including our Killer Clowns from Outer Space commentary, mm-hmm. our thoughts on Night of the Demons 2... <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was. Put away the lipstick and a number of other things. Head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead for that access and so much more. All you pallies are fucking rad. We love every single one of you, including a particular someone here that is a member truly of our film family. Mm-hmm. Now, we are in now basically the last week of Into the Mouth of March Madness. Full on Genius. madness. We, we, we're getting past the... Um, Psycho stage, Mm -hmm. and now we're getting on the achy healing part. Oh, we are healing indeed. And here in the round of the Scream 16, we are not alone. And if we're lucky, genius, we might be able to summon up some help this round. Mm -hmm. And while it is not 3 a.m., it is always the witching hour when these ladies show up. Please welcome to Nightmare Junket and Into the Mouth of Madness for the first time from the Black Magic Coven podcast. Please welcome Liz. Andrea, Marissa, and Kaylee. Hi. Hey, all. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. We are excited to have you girls on here because women are all rad. Women. Women. Because yeah. we're all are just really <laughs> rad. Now, before we get into the madness proper, where can our listeners find you out on social media? Please plug and promote away. Well, our podcast. Yeah, I was like, oh, who's going to do it? Yeah, you uh, go first. Uh, for our podcast, you can find it just Black Magic Coven um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We're on all the on all the things. And same with uh, streaming services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I think we're on pretty much every, every network you can get a podcast on. We should be there. I was going to say, wherever podcasts are played right. at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a million places. Now, <laughs> y'all, would you all do you have anything individually that you would like to promote or plug to, in terms of social media? Well, I'll go. Uh, if you would like to also, I do another podcast, uh, and that is called Generation Why Am I Like This? Uh, and it's Generation, the letter Y, am I like is spelled L-Y-K-E. And basically it's me and two of my friends from college and we go through anything in our childhoods and rewatch it, uh, re-listen to it. We do music, we do albums, we do movies, TV, all that kind of stuff. And just kind of look at it with our current day lenses and talk about how it maybe affected us and turned us into the people that we are today. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so definitely check that out as well. It's also on wherever you want to listen to podcasts and uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter and all that jazz too. So 
Nice. Anyone else to throw anything out there? Uh, mine's lame, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can hear me rant about um, sports things and beer and comic stuff and movie stuff. And I'm just super cat chick with a K on everything. That's our audience, so oh, we're yeah. good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel weird sort of promoting myself, but I'm a film critic and film writer and um, I'm going to be covering South by Southwest and a few other film festivals and write a lot about horror. So if you're interested in reading anything, um, I usually share it on my Twitter page. Uh, it's just Marissa underscore Mirabal, M-I-R-A-B-A-L. Perfect. Nice. And what's kind of cool, just in terms of people that may not be familiar with your podcast, is three out of four of you are here in the Kansas City area. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But you you all extended down to the Texas area to, to bring in someone to the coven. So how did the podcast itself come together? Oh, gosh, that was mostly our good friend Tim Canton, who you guys are very familiar with, <laughs> one of the co-founders mm -hmm. of Panic Fest. Um, he kind of had reached out, I know, to Liz and myself about hosting the podcast and then Andrea as well. And then he was kind of like, hey, I think you would really get along with this Marissa who lives in Austin, but she seems to be in the same kind of circle as you. So we just kind of rolled with it. And yeah, now we get to record and it's a lot of fun. Now she's part of our coven. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's wonderfully awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing I will say with the with your show so far and what I've really enjoyed is the chemistry between you all. And I can say this, uh, especially as someone with genius and myself, you know, we didn't really know each other before we started our podcast. And a lot of people always assume we've known each other forever. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing just in terms of the way you all interact, especially with Marissa, who is kind of, you know, the, the newbie here. I, I would have never have guessed that based on how you all interacted. And I think that's the power of kind of why we do this because just we, we love this and anytime you get to talk about it. So Marissa, how has it been for you coming into these three folks that have already known each other? Um, I wasn't too nervous about it. I mean, I think that there's a certain type of uh, sisterhood just in general with women who like horror and enjoy horror and enjoy uh, the macabre and, you know, spooky stuff. I mean, these aren't very common interests so when you find another female who's into the same stuff that you are I think that there's a natural excitement and willingness to kind of talk about that and explore that and um you know I, I felt really comfortable right off the bat and um it, it's been fun just cracking jokes and mm -hmm. talking about serial killers and cryptids and you know, all the stuff I wish I could talk about more. It's cool to have, you know, a group of girls in a coven that, uh, you know, I can share this uh, passion for creepy stuff and uh, horror with. So I think, uh, thankfully, I fit in pretty naturally, I think, just, you know, with that base. Um, I have not seen humans in a year, though, so I do appreciate the mm -hmm. fact that you think that we get along so well because I have not had a lot of social <laughs> interaction, so um, <laughs> that's nice to know. <laughs> what, was it kind of like, uh, did we just become best friends? Yup, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fun. Nice I look forward to it all the time, mm -hmm. so. Have, have you ever been to Kansas City? I mean, not in quarantine time, but I mean, like... <laughs> No, I haven't. Mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to we're trying to get her out 2022 for Panic Fest. Hell yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen. 
Yeah. If One we, day. If we One don't day. have a uh, live Black Magic Coven podcast in the year of 2022 at Panic Fest, Tim Adam, I'm putting you all on hold on Ooh, on count right now. I'm gonna be very upset. That would be super fun. Oh, are you kidding? That would be fun. Love you all to put a spell on us in the audience, as you do with every episode. <laughs> so that being yeah. said, you just finished your first season. Uh, do you have, uh, if our listeners out there, is there a particular episode that would be the best one to feed into, just to kind of give you an, an idea of what the podcast is like? That's a great question. I my mind has just gone to conversations of cannibals. And <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like maybe one of the most fun intro episodes would be the Fresno Nightcrawler. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent quick intro to what we do it and it, i think to me that was like the most fun episode yeah i think we have it's a little lighter we we get yeah. into some stuff yeah, yeah some of the topics are kind of intense and grotesque and disturbing queasy, if you're queasy just uh, skip the cannibal episode we talk uh, although about to eating be fair people. i'm always talking about <laughs> eating people in like every episode i i'm down with like i try human I, I mean, I would try some long pork if cooked right. I'm not going to eat it raw. I'm not ODB. But, like, I definitely, like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is uh, Sal. Oh. Andrea did pose that question to yep. us. Would you eat a person? So no, We know Janus's answer. What about you, Greg? It depends on the person's background because I'm big on organic. So I want to make sure they lived a good life so the meat isn't, you know, rough or anything. No, no what you want is you want to mm-hmm. find a drunk. Because if you find a drunk, they're they're marinated. They're, they're marinated inside. They got that natural seared juices and shit in there. Or you need somebody fat. You need a fat drunk. You need like two thousand. <laughs> you need two thousand two genius. That's what you. That that's what you need because then it's juicy and marbleized. You can feed a family of twelve. You know what I'm saying? I would make like you could meal plan with two thousand and two genius. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm and it'll get you drunk. Like, <laughs> I'd be more like an edible. That's what that's what it would be like. I'd be like a delicious edible. Just know your limits, ladies and gentlemen. Don't take all of the genius at once. Jerk know. jerky. That's what oh, it would be. Oh Lord, have mercy. No, I definitely I like how you think that there's options. We were talking about like <laughs> yeah. being stranded on an island. We weren't yeah. thinking of like a whole buffet lineup. You have to have you have <laughs> like, to keep well, your options now that you open. Say that. Right? I mean you gotta think of it like and like if I was a cannibal, I'm like, eh, do I feel like Chinese today? Maybe Mexican, you know? I feel well, a little... You don't want somebody too fit because like if they're all muscly, right. that's gonna be tough meat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't even want to go into the veal discussion. So <laughs> oh, like God. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I come on your show for Cannibal Part Two? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's sure a delicacy. That one. <laughs> you you see, he lives life uh, just so first world. Like he just assumes he's going to have all these options. Versus, no, it's either like you know a shoe or someone's calf that's been dead for a week. Oh no, I'm gonna fuck somebody oh. up if it came down to it. If you're a but <laughs> if this is The Walking Dead, I'd be firmly in terminus. You know what I'm saying? Just like I'd be set. I'd be set. I'm glad a few of you shook your head because that one, beyond just listening to their show, I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore. So I'm glad someone out there got that reference. That right answer. <laughs> well, one of the questions that we always ask any first time guest is what is your horror origin? I.e., what was it that got you into horror? You know, was it a movie? Was it a, you know, a relative? But what was it that made you look at horror and go, you know what? This is my people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll go first. Uh, I have done a lot of reflection on this because through my other podcasts, like talking about childhood stuff, and every time I bring up something, I feel like it's something kind of spooky and weird. 
So uh, a big influence for me was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, and that was, I loved that show when it was on and I watched it all the time. And it's funny because I had this weird thing where like I hit the age of like about 11 and I became terrified of everything and I couldn't <laughs> barely even watch Goosebumps. It was just, I, I, I had this weird phase that I was super scared of stuff. And then I think about 14 or so I decided I want to, I don't know why, but I just really wanted to get back into horror. I, there was something about it that I was drawn to. And I talked to my, I remember asking my aunt about it because uh, I don't remember why I specifically asked her. Cause she's not a huge horror lover, but I was like, what horror movie should I watch? And she told me to watch darkness falls, which is not a very good movie. I would say, I don't know. I mean, the tooth fairy to one, their own. Yes. The tooth fairy one. So that to me feels like the official entry into horror cinema, I guess, which is depressing. I kind of, let's be real. Darkness falls is not classy horror cinema but <laughs> we're gonna fight hey. <laughs> anything okay, that opens the door yes and so that was kind of the beginning and then it just went all crazy downhill uphill whatever you want to say from there so uh and i you know just continued to watch anything and everything i can so Liz, don't worry. I actually saw that movie in the theater. Me too. But I went only specifically Emma to see Caulfield? Emma Caulfield. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of my head, Greg. Awful, awful. Um, to jump off of what Liz was saying, I, I think I was kind of similar or similar age where like, I really liked Are You Afraid of the Dark? Anything kind of like witchy or spooky, I just always thought was really cool. Um, but then when I was got started getting older, like 12, 13, my mom was like very against me watching any horror movies because she doesn't like horror movies at all. So she kind of stopped me from delving farther into it. And then I, when I was like 16, 17, maybe is when I kind of started to watch movies on my own. I worked at a movie theater when I was 17. So we would just watch anything and everything. And that just kind of fell into it. And then... God, I'm trying to think. I think Halloween was like the first nice. real horror movie that I watched and was just like, and it had been a movie that my mom had built up so much because, you know, she was young when it came out and she thought it was terrifying. And when I watched it, I, I was just like, this is magnificent. This is not scary. Like my mom cracked it out to be, you know? And then thankfully when I started working at, at uh, Armor in 2013, that's when I finally found like, the horror family through Panic Fest, and otherwise it was just me with you know friends or whatever watching horror movies. And now it's like a big family mm-hmm. of horror nerds. It's nice. Oh yeah. So Kaylee, do you think having your 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 mom say this is like the forbidden fruit? Did it make it make more it tap- that much sweeter? Yeah. I I think so. Yeah. Because even even to this day, I mean, I'm 30 and my mom is like, oh, what, I what movie did you see? And I'll tell her, and it's you know, some horror movie, and she's like, I just don't understand why you, how you can watch those, you know? You know, Will Smith um, said it best. Yeah. Parents just don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of everything witchy and stuff when you're younger, where do you lie on the Hex Girls? The Hex Girls? Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know how can anybody can not like the Hex Girls. I From fucking Scooby love Doo, right? Like yeah, Scooby Doo and the Witch's yeah. Ghost. The Hex Girls. Yeah, where the I'm, so, I'm like all confused. Right, yeah. right, right. The spell on you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fucking the spell on you. <laughs> love, love me some Hex Girls. <laughs> what you all didn't see was Liz was doing a dance, like literally summoning there. Oh, damn it. We should have been recording that. Uh, Andrea, what was your horror origin? So I thought about this a little bit because um, we uh, did a little intro when we started The Coven. And um, I thought about it after. And really, my favorite movie, because it's the best movie of all time, is The Wizard of Oz. And looking at it back as an adult, all the horror elements in that movie um, are just kind of mind blowing. Um, so there's that. And then as an adult, um, and this is probably all Jay's fault because he was renting movies at Blockbuster. Um, and I'd go in like every Friday and like look at all the covers and I'd find like the most creepy one. And my parents would let me watch whatever I wanted. Like it really didn't matter. Um, and so Night of the Demons was my first movie. I remember being old enough to sit there and be like, oh, I love this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, and mm-hmm. yeah, I can't look at lipstick. <laughs> the to lipstick. Sing. Yeah, it fucked me up. Now, were you old enough to know proper <laughs> lipstick application at that point, Andrea? Yeah, so this yes. one didn't skew you. Okay, that is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were you old enough to know proper lipstick? Because it skewed the shit out of me. I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> he's in his forties and I, still I was doesn't just young it. enough though. That I was like, why can't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I tried. I did. That's no, awful. That my apologies. Yeah, anywhere. I know. My apologies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Marissa, get us out of child. this funk here. Tell us your horror origin. Um, I let's see. I was um, well, I'm born in October. I was born in October, so I've always had Halloween themed birthdays growing up ever since I was a little kid. So, uh, the imagery around. October and the holiday and just horror in general has always been something really celebratory for me and fun and entertaining. So I think it's sort of always been interesting to me in that regard. But um, my older brother, I can uh, thank is a weird (laughs) word for my introduction to horror because he would try and bully me and when he would babysit me, he would, you know, try and scare me and have me watch uh, Child's Play or Halloween. <clears throat> and he would try and scare me and, uh, like, you know, threaten to, like, cut my hair if I told my parents and stuff. So uh, I had to, like, teach myself how to like this instead of uh, be scared by it. So I started deconstructing the films to where they weren't scary. So I was listening to, uh, you know like the music was really scary if you mute the movie it's not that bad if it, you know thinking about it being in terms of like an actual production and there's people on set and spoofs and robotics and everything so I think from that perspective uh child's play was really formative for me from a young age like around six or seven and then um that was when I started to be able to like watch them a little bit more in terms of you know, enjoying them. They were still creepy, but they weren't, I I could see them as, you know, being actual movies, like movie magic, you Mm -hmm. know? And uh, to this day, I think that's why a lot of my writing is very technical. Like I talk about special effects a lot. I talk about uh, horror scores a lot and um, stunts. 
So that was uh, really big. And also, you know, like the other girls mentioned, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark, Red Goosebumps, Arl Stein, and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, it's kind of been a part of my personality and interests from as far back as I can remember. Since October and uh, all the the memories that you had of and, and fall and things like that is very nostalgic. Is there, do you have a go-to October movie or a movie that's set in around that time that just gives you nothing but the nostalgia feels? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, my mom was really great about throwing Halloween themed birthday parties for me. So when I was younger, you know, it would be like, I consider Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie. I think from a kid perspective, I would say that. And then maybe, um, I love Poltergeist. I think it scared me a lot as a kid, but there's a lot of nostalgia there as well. And um, the the cartoon movie, The Halloween Tree. Ooh. I liked that a lot when I was younger. Hell yeah. Um, there's a lot of really good kid you know, horror centric films that are good gateways into um, being a horror fan as an adult. I think Little Monsters would constitute that as well, honestly, that um, I watched that from a really young age, like in kindergarten, it was like one of my favorite movies ever. Um, So I think those have a lot of nostalgia for me, mostly. So on that tip, about the young entry gateway horror and going to Andrea, where do you think about uh, Return to Oz? Because I think that's a horror movie. It is, yeah. <laughs> and I, a lot of the, so there's like a bunch of Oz books um, and I'm kind of excited because they're like rebooting, somebody wants to make another movie and a lot of Oz fans are all mad about it. But I'm like, there's so much material, like nobody's remaking the Judy Garland classic but there is so much they can do with a story. Um, and yeah, Return to Oz is amazing. And it scared the poop out of me because I thought <laughs> I was that little girl. Like, I'm, oh, they're going to put me in an asylum because I won't shut up and I'm telling people <laughs> off. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I thought I was going to be locked up and electrocuted. I think that's a good point, though, because a lot of people think about the aesthetics when they come to, like, talk about the fear of that film, like the wheelers mm. and the witch with the multiple heads. But I like how you went to actually, if I were locked up and not believed and, you know, I think they even, did they give her Electra shot? Yeah. There was like all yeah. these old school, like psychiatric Cause that was TikTok treatments. was the machine that they electrocuted yeah. her with. Which is terrifying. Like as a kid. And that's like a fear that translates into adult, you know, centric horror for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that one was actually pretty important too, just because it, I think that might've been the first one. I was like, Whoa, mommy's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and like i love female horror villains like that is mm-hmm. that was very cool to see like a woman in that kind of a because like i feel like all the older movies it's always like a male yeah. like villain and there's something to say about female horror villains we just finished uh our talk about audition and so and queen of the black magic. And queen of black magic yeah and so yeah i'm glad that like there's more of that because we can only handle so many Freddy's and Jason's and stuff. And it's good to see, like, well, all sorts of people giving crazy and killing shit. Well, thankfully, here in the year of 2011, we actually did technically get some killer females. Mm-hmm. And we will be talking about a few of them here. So let's go ahead and get into our first matchup here in the round of the Scream 16. 
we have the remake of Fright Night. For real. Going up against Red State. And can't imagine two more polar opposite movies. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And content, you know, them- thematically speaking. Um, so that being said, I want to throw it out to you. Which one of these films shall we talk about first? A lot of pressure, guys. Yeah. You asking uh, us to make a decision? Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Fright Night first. Yeah. Let's do it. So if anyone knows the show, if anyone knows me, they know I freaking adore the original 1985 film. Um, for me, Jerry Dandridge and Buddy are uh, two of my favorite horror couples ever. Uh, Peter Vincent is wonderful. So I had a lot of baggage going in with this film, but I will admit it, I genuinely dug the remake. So by any chance, was this anyone's first time watch? Yep. It was yes. for me, yeah. It was mm-hmm. my first time watching this. It was my first time watching this for the show. Yeah. As was so, it, that makes it then one, two, three, four. We got six people then that watched this film for the first time because of <laughs> this tournament. What yeah. was it that kept you away from the movie for so long, do you think? I thought it was going to be terrible, to be honest. I thought so too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just never, yeah. Yeah, remakes really don't have a good track record. For every Mm-mm. one good remake, there's like, three or four subpar ones. Right. And so I also didn't really look, I just like, I, I was like, Oh, they remade Fright Night, whatever. But I hadn't really looked into the cast much until mm-hmm. I started watching it. I was like, Holy yeah. cow. Like this, this is like crazy fantastic. Cast. Yeah. I feel like this was not marketed. Well, is that correct? I feel like I don't remember mm-hmm. this existing. I don't, I don't really, really either. I don't. Cause I feel like the only person I knew was in this was Colin Farrell. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's on the poster. Uh-huh. But I mean, basically everyone else, I didn't, like, I agree with you, Andrea. I don't think I knew these people. I definitely didn't know Tony Collette was in this. I didn't no. know, uh, why can't I remember his name? The- Anton well, Yelchin. I'm, yeah, I'm a Whovian, and I had no idea David Tennant. <clears throat> David Tennant. Yeah, David right. Tennant. Yeah. You know, and, and Anton Yelkin, too. And yeah. Imogene Poots. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah and Imogen. Yeah. yeah. Anton just makes me sad now. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. It just make, reminds me of how much I loved him in movies. Right. His abs yeah. didn't make me sad, though. Did anybody? Like, he was, like, ripped in this movie. Yeah, he did. He was. What yeah. is that? But see, it's weird because I remember it in the theater. I remember it had a theatrical run, but I don't remember hearing a lot about it. Like we were saying, there wasn't a lot of trailers. There wasn't a lot of hype. And there wasn't a lot of things. So I definitely think that adds to the fact that, like, not a, we're only seeing it for the first time. But also, could it. Now, is it there's a, is there a sense of like not reverence for the old one, but maybe maybe so, or maybe because we have all been burned by remakes before? Is do you think that that might be a part of why none of us have seen this? Because we're all pretty steeped in horror, you know. So yeah. for all of us to miss a movie, I'm I mean, I've never fully seen, seen the first one. <gasps> really? I've never actually sat and watched the entirety of the first one. So For I mean, real? Cute, cute, the really invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> gift. Since I've seen the first one. I don't, I have to Google that. it, but I'm guessing the studio, for whatever reason, maybe didn't throw any money into putting it out there that because that kills a lot of movies mm-hmm. and it's released and then it goes away and then they make their money off VOD or whatever. But um, that would be my guess. Well, which is a bummer because it's a good movie i would have liked to seen was, it in the yeah, theater I enjoyed it. and yeah. i love well, the fact that was the one because i had seen it when i was younger the original and i was uh like andrea was saying you know you go into the go to blockbuster or local you know movie store and you look at the horror section and the artwork i think that's kind of like a well it's coming back um you know uh 
just horror art for movies in general, but it was really fucking good in the 80s. And mm -hmm. that cover for Fright Night, that mm -hmm. artwork is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that always like would entice me on how to pick um, a horror film or challenge myself if I could handle it, you know, and some of the ones you think are scary are, are really not like house, you know, but <laughs> um, Fright Night, uh, I was really creeped out by that horror cover. So I watched it and it was actually really fun. And um, so I remember when the, this one came out, um, you know, it's funny because it was also around the time of Twilight and I've never read the Twilight books, but I did think it was comical that they dropped a Twilight reference in there. And the same cinematographer who did Twilight Saga, New Moon and Twilight Eclipse is the same cinematographer who worked on Fright Night, um, Javier. <laughs> Aguirre Saroba butchered that <laughs> to hell, but um, I kind of like the uh, throwbacks that the 2011 has and the way that it sort of makes fun of itself, but also um, brings a lot of really dark and heavy elements to it as well, because there are some creepy scenes in there. There is mm -hmm. some really good horror. Um, it's it could be a little bit creepier than the original almost depending on when you saw the original, but it's definitely worth seeing the original because yeah. it's, it's a fun film. It's definitely And meaner. it's all practical. Yeah. It's good. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the whole twilightification of the film because even like the cover of the movie looked like a twilight cover with the red eyes and Colin mm -hmm. Farrell's being yeah. sexy and brooding, you know, with no, uh, hint that it's a fucking he's monster a, ass vampire yes yes yeah. and even i remember when they released near dark on i think it was like a dvd or blu-ray and the it was romance like, cover and it just looked and i i get that they're going because that's where the audience is at this point but right. it's just such not that kind of film now yeah. i was shocked at the quality of the cast because mm -hmm. and just re wasn't it today technically is anton yelchin's birthday is it not oh I think I it was. Know. I saw it on Twitter today, and it was just yeah. such a sad reminder of what a great actor he was, yeah. because that was a surprise yeah. when I came to the movie. I was like, oh, it's Anton Yelchin. Oh, it's Tony Collette. Oh, it's Emma Jean Poots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's Dave Franco? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I forgot Dave Franco was in it, Yeah. Too. That yeah. was probably the biggest surprise of me, is just enjoying the cast so much and, and yeah. how much fun it was. And I wasn't expecting to enjoy uh, McLovin's Evil Ed because, yeah, like, yeah. hashtag not oh, my yeah. Evil Ed, you know? He was, yeah. But he was really good. Poor, I, poor McLovin. He's never going to not be McLovin. <laughs> I, like, right. I mean, I guess whatever. If you're known for something, embrace it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, oh, it's man. easy for us to say where, but I I agree with you. I would it'd be tough, but it's like no, people love you. Are you kidding? It's that a, guy. It's a blessing and a curse. Well, he'll yeah. ne he'll never have even to in eat. promising young woman. It was <gasps> like oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> McLovin's in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he definitely he played would be that, that character. Guy <laughs> all night, though, trying to hit on you, yeah. and you're wasted. Like that's a total like casting call. Like oh yeah, you're in, no doubt. Yeah. I will say this, that movie wasn't what I thought it was, but I'm glad it was what it was and what it turned out to be. It was, yeah, it was so freaking good. Um, other thoughts on Friday. Oh, let me ask you this, just in terms of the hunk factor of one. Um, Colin um, Farrell and his Colin, abs. And, and his abs. He, in 2011, I don't know, it came off a little 
bro-ish? Is that maybe the appropriate kind of thing? Or maybe yeah, I'm just I mean, old? Honestly, yeah. when I'm watching this movie, if I were to pick like the hot guy, I would go David Tennant. Uh, goth drunk David Tennant all yeah. day long. Yeah, but I, exactly. I do like staring <laughs> at Colin Farrell. Yeah. I don't know. Anton, man. I think he's so cute. I think I'd go Colin. Imogene? We all pick- I'll pick different <laughs> ones. I mean, I'm good because I'll just go up to the penthouse and hang out with that That's true. thick fireplace and like some leather pants. It's all so Dr- drinking Midori. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's great. I love it. How did the wife cuss at him all the time? <laughs> I think that set, his whole lair or his apartment is actually, they filmed that in New Mexico at a museum. Like you can actually what? go there. That's oh, cool. That's yeah. Neat. I mean, I'm sure like they don't have all the stuff there. It'd be cool if they had a few props, but yeah, it's like an actual museum. And I rewatched the original earlier today, and it's so funny. The set design difference between those two characters is hilarious. Like one's living in an apartment, you know, and doesn't have a lot of money, and the other guy has like this. He's like a he looks like um well he's Chris Angel. Chris Angel, yeah, 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 with like a fireplace in the middle and like leather and you know all those artifacts and stuff but chris really angel letting his stoop. facial hair off yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a big, it was it's hilarious but yeah um his you can action actually wig. go to that spot apparently it's but all the stuff in his place was so cool too because yeah. it made the fight scene believable because yeah. they have weapons and stuff and like normally yeah. that would have like he just would have ripped them apart and it was like okay i can deal with this it's not like they randomly just picked up some like sword or something yeah mm-hmm. I, I like the aspect that he was a phony baloney magician but yet he was a monster fighter you know yeah. i mean he, yeah. Did, yeah he did know the existence of vampires and shit so like i really like that aspect i don't know if i would like it like this uh peter vincent better than the old peter vincent in like style but i would definitely party with the new peter vincent as opposed to partying with the old peter vincent <laughs> i would go to a dinner I know, party man. i with... could party with the old peter vincent yeah i would party like, with him. hang out and like drink some scotch you know and just chill like talk about orgy like, of the damned right cult and old folklore i don't know and like crash go home and crash around like nine <laughs> no, I'd go to Vegas and party with new Peter Vincent and fucking fight vampires. I, I'm going with Marissa and I'm retiring early and having a nice fancy dinner and sophisticated conversation. Yeah. Meanwhile, By like the fireplace, you know? Sophisticated conversation. And yeah. then I come back, dinner no, is in the totally oven. Like, is it Tuesday night, Andrea, or Saturday night, Andrea? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, so final thoughts uh, on, I want to make sure we touch upon this, on uh, elements of Fright Night that we have not talked about. Uh, anything, final thoughts well, before we... So I do have to say that I think the funny thing about this movie is that one of the scariest scenes to me was when Colin Farrell rips that pipe out of the ground yeah. and yeah. Just staring at them the whole time. <laughs> I just, I feel like, he made that character really fun mm-hmm. and uh i mean not that i guess i'm surprised i think colin farrell is talented but i just think because the movie is like very campy and kind of silly at times i think he still did a great job of balancing that camp with the like being straight up scary scary mm-hmm. yeah and uh so i really loved that moment because i was totally shocked by it i didn't i mean i don't is that in the first the og is that how they do that in the og no. or nope okay yeah 
I loved that. I love that it was a very clever way to get them out of the house. Yeah. Because I mean, you do, you're like, oh, well, he can't go in the house. See ya. And then he's like, I can get in if there's no house. Yeah. yeah. And I just loved that moment. I was like, oh, shit. I know. I did not expect that <laughs> when he went back there and started digging. The last thing I expected was that he was going to pull a gas line out of the ground. And, yeah. and Tony Collette's like, what is he doing in my yard? <laughs> yeah. But see, that's sort of like mom move too. Just like, <laughs> doesn't like how he has that dumpster in the front the whole film and yeah mm-hmm. she does a great job I will say too um it was kind of cool I was surprised to learn at the end that their stunt team received awards for their firework which was kind of oh. cool oh that's so, cool yeah they won like best firework and best fire stunt with the Taurus uh world stunt awards Chris Brewster and uh Mark Aaron Wagner so uh, and I think that the stunts, you know, and the special effects with the makeup were all executed pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a thing. Um, it was. And I felt like up until the very end, then they, they had spent all their money. So they had to put a bunch of crappy CGI in like the last like several minutes of the movie. And it, that took me out. Like everything yeah. was great up yeah. to that point. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, well, you crappy just Crappy CGI the is the worst. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Worst. It, 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 definitely can ruin the broth you know Mm -hmm. but i liked how smart this was going back to when it deals with vampires as in like if i can't come into your house then i'm gonna Mm -hmm. blow your fucking house up yeah (laughs) and how brutal it was too that whole chase scene was 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 really effective because i was like like holy shit and just watching it (laughs) and i'm like this is nothing like the original at all this is a smart mean vampire because jerry dandridge in the original he wasn't mean he was more of that romantic type bella lugosi vampire but this one is more like i don't know one of those 30 days 30 days a night vampire type thing Mm -hmm. just smart and very Mm -hmm. mean and just matter of fact i'm going to kill you because i'm hungry yeah through the bottom of the van yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed, like early on, Tony Collette was like in the beginning. Um, she was loading up her van or station wagon with um, her oh, like yeah. signs, and you could tell they were like stakes on the bottom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're gonna use those. And I was yeah, so I happy to see that come full <laughs> circle. Yeah. And I was like, it made sense that she had those in her car. I, I'm mm-hmm. a nerd for stuff like that. Like, yeah. It may, when it does make sense and it's easier to follow along a cohesive story where there's not a lot of plot holes, yeah. it does make it a lot better and more like digestible in a way and i also thought yeah. this was very well paced as well yeah just mm-hmm. i didn't feel a lot of lulls with it. it it felt very 2011 for the most part which is not a bad thing yeah per se yeah i mean i i the only thing about this movie that i didn't for some reason i just didn't buy i feel like there was like three endings to this movie yeah, yeah. it kind of ended and then it was like oh never mind it's not over uh and now it's you know i i I didn't mind it, I guess. I was having fun watching it. I just, at the end of that car scene, I was like, oh, okay, now we're going to wind things down and it's over. And then, oh, it continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I don't know. I felt like it did feel a little jarring sometimes when it wasn't, when I thought the climax was there and it wasn't actually the climax. So um, I guess that's kind, I don't know. It's sort of a mixed negative but I'm also fine with it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's not over until he gets laid, you know? Yeah. That's the climax. 
<laughs> it went from Fright Night to Once Bitten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love Once Bitten though. It's so corny and hilarious. Now, well, hold it's on. Now, when's the last time you watched it? Because we watched it last year and there are quite a few F bombs in there and we're not talking oh, the word yeah. fuck. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, uh, it's not PC or very like socially conscious to this day. I watched it a few months ago. Um, I, those kinds of ridiculous movies are kind of a comfort for me sometimes, which, uh, but I think it's in terms of like the production design, 80s, you know, costume design, the sets are hilarious. The dream sequences, or even when they go to the bar and they have the phones, yes. and the lips in the middle, you know, I mean, it's just so it's real campy it's fun in that regard but yeah i mean in terms of script and actually i mean it's very problematic i'll just say this older films are it makes me hungry for chicken mac nuggets (laughs) you you should all check out once bitten if you can speaking of campy that's one thing i liked about this movie and the original was the original had that little bit of camp factor in it not overtly campy but just enough to like this is fun and this one had enough of that camp where this is a fun movie and not so serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still mm-hmm. action and there's still significantly more action, significantly more horror than the original, but still just enough to keep it like lovable and goofy. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yes. Final mm-hmm. thoughts on Fright Night before we roll into an entirely different film here. <laughs> I was surprised by it because um, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it, it was like the Twilight thing that I was, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but it was super cute. And I said, the only issue I had was the weird, like they had good CG and effects through the whole movie. And I'm just going to rant about that. (laughs) I felt the same way about the new Suspiria. We'll we'll get to that eventually. Now, I I am though glad that this was a good watch for all of us. Now, from going from a literal bloodsucker to someone that is a figurative bloodsucker, going to Kevin Smith's Red State, and eventually, Andrea, we're going to figure out what movie you thought was potentially <laughs> Red State, but... Yeah, maybe uh, somebody listening will know. <laughs> well, and you know, there's there's not necessarily a number of films like this, but again, was this anyone's first time watch? Mm, yeah, it was mine. Andrea, Kaylee, Liz, you've seen this one? And then Marissa, you've seen this one? Okay, so my first timers, were you familiar with this one at all? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, same. Did you go in with any Kevin Smith expectations? Yeah, I didn't just because I had already been told. I had a friend that went to the road show. And so I, I kind of had an idea of like how different it was going to be from the other stuff he's done. Yeah, same. I had talked to somebody about it that told me a little bit about it before I watched it. So, Okay, and now that being said then, did it live up to any of the expectations? Was there too much hype? Was it just right? No. How was the first time watch with it? For me, I thought it was better than people gave credit f- to it. But I don't know a ton of people that saw it either. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was all right, yeah. Again, and yeah. all right is usually kind of how a lot of people would describe a lot of Kevin Smith movies potentially. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Liz, Marissa, what were your uh, initial interactions with Red State? Uh, well, I mean, I live in a red state (laughs) in Texas, so it's interesting. I see those kinds of characters around um, holding up a lot of hateful, um, you know, signs and 
uh, I mean, I'm in Austin, so it's not all the time, but I mean, I have seen that. And, you know, you go out into the outskirts of the city in Texas and you see like uh, billboards uh, damning you and call this number if you're going to be saved for the rapture. So I think that in terms of characters, um, I find that story quite terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, It's realistic. It happens. Hate crimes occur. And um, a lot of times they can be in the name of God or religion. So I, I was, um, it was like a breath of fresh air to see it and revisit it in the sense that it isn't your stereotypical, like kind of stoner social commentary that Kevin Smith kind of does or comic book (laughs) hero centric. Um, I like where he took it and was basically like, fuck these people. They're fucking awful. Um, but also having some callbacks to cult films and cults in general, like in Waco um, with David Koresh or uh, just Westboro Baptist Church in general. I think he really hit the nail on the head with the um, capturing the essence of those kinds of monsters. I think they're monsters. So, yeah. So, yeah, um, absolutely. It was a good sort of monster film to battle um, Fright Night in that sense. So most definitely, I Liz. liked it, but it was a hard. Some of it's a hard watch. A little yeah. bit, you know. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I grew up in Kansas. You guys grew up in Missouri, so we're around the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're from I mean, Kansas, right? Yeah. 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 So I have been in areas where they are protesting. Oh, I remember they protested. I went to an all girls Catholic school and there was an all boys Catholic school and a bunch of my friends were in the Laramie project, the play, they did that show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember the Westboro Baptist church came down to protest their play and like, they protested was- at my high school too. Yeah. So I remember that was kind of my first, uh, encounter with the Westboro people was seeing them there. Um, and obviously they had all of their signs, uh, and all that jazz um, but I actually went and I, I had a huge Kevin Smith phase. Uh, I had like a mall rats t-shirt, you know, I was like, I love film. Look at all. And so my Nana got me tickets to go see Kevin Smith live. I want to say I was probably like 16 or 17 or something. Well, I don't know. When did this, this movie came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so no, I was older. So I was probably like 1920 maybe because uh, I went and saw him and Westboro Baptist Church was protesting his show and he was talking about that he was working on the concept for this movie at the time. So I knew it was coming out. I was excited about it. I um, definitely sought it out when it did come out. I I think I saw it in theaters. I'm pretty sure I did. Um but I, and I remember liking it at the time. I honestly didn't really remember it very well when I went back to watch it because I just, I mean, I haven't seen it since it came out. And I, I feel like it's a pretty good movie. Like I have a couple issues with it. Um, there's just things that I don't feel like work as well as they could. Um, but I think overall it's very intense. It like, it sucks you in and you're definitely like, committed to the story I guess you feel like oh wow this is going into a crazy place but I also believe it Uh, it, I mean Mm -hmm. I just feel like this is probably 
Kevin Smith's best horror entry, I would say. I love Tusk. My husband hates Tusk. He thinks it's horrible. And <laughs> oh, Tusk is great. But I love oh, it. Uh, I so, I mean, but I think to me, this is probably his best one because it's like the most, I don't know. It's probably a better movie. I would say maybe than Tusk. Although I do love Tusk, but it's just, it's a, they're very different movies. So I don't know. I guess it's hard to yeah. say. That's why I think this is going to be a hard showdown because this and Fright Night are two very different movies. But yeah, real different tones. Yeah. yeah. The, the the thing about this one, um, Red State, it feels real. It feels mm-hmm. palpable, and it feels because I'm not afraid of vampires, but I'm afraid of fundamentalists. You know, yeah. and <laughs> and I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent sure if if our like, and I'm talking about for all of us because. Even Texas is still technically Midwest type mm-hmm. thing, right? We grew up with these people in our backyard. So mm-hmm. this is more real to us. I don't know if it would be as scary as to say someone in um, Rhode Island, you know, or or even Florida, because they don't see it like we do. And like, because it was almost... They were protesting almost once a week mm-hmm. for a while yeah. there at this time. And you couldn't go anywhere. And the, the 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 fact is, monsters like vampires aren't real, that I think. But <laughs> monsters that will protest a funeral are, and those are truly, truly monsters. Yeah. So that's and that why would brainwash little babies. Into yeah. yeah, like that yeah. was yeah. heartbreaking. Just, when I see the little kids out there. And they're holding the signs that just say horrific mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I just want to scream. I'm like, this poor child has no chance. Yeah. I mean, like, there obviously are people. There are people that get out, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, like, because the big thing was Fred Phelps's daughter got out. Megan, right? And yep. uh, and she actually talked to Kevin Smith, and like that was kind of part of why he like was working on this movie, and like he was having this back and forth with her, and. Uh, I do feel like he kind of gave her a character in the movie of that, of the 20 year old girl mm-hmm. that was trying to get the kids out. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I get, I mean, I'm assuming I'm, I'm feel like that's probably 100% true that he was kind of saying, this is this girl um, because she clearly wasn't all the way bought into it, or at least she cared more about the kids than the whole crazy, like we're going to sacrifice our lives for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's a weird movie to look back on now too. I feel like because of everything we've gone through with Trump and everything, I just am like, whoa, like this feels even more relevant today. That's the, I called back to that when they mentioned the part where they're like, even Nazis were distancing themselves from this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that, yeah, totally hit home. What we went through the last four years is like, he embraced them. Right. You'd be (laughs) hard pressed to say there's good people on the Cooper side there potentially. (laughs) Right. And that's what made it more scary because it was, it felt so real. It felt so prescient. It felt like this could really happen. And not only with the um, the cult and the Westboro, but the, the fuck-ups the yeah. from the government oh. and the fuck-ups yeah. from local yeah. and state and everybody fucking up and not knowing what the hell. Too many goddamn cooks in the kitchen. Meanwhile, <laughs> you have this like religious zealot shooting at you armed again like mm-hmm. the david koresh well, and the fact and... that they got guns no. i mean yeah. like and they got the type yeah. of guns that they got i mean there's so many issues that this movie brings up because you're talking gun control yep. police uh 
like questionable police choices mm -hmm. and then also obviously the cult like religious uh christian terrorists which i think uh, i'm worried about where that's going in the future in general yeah. because i think mm -hmm. that that's we're trending in that direction. Well, and it's, yeah. Well, know, and the police so. situation stood out to me more this time around watching it um, because, you know, shots were fired from the police side when they weren't supposed to be. Like they didn't fight the, you know, church members didn't fire first, mm -hmm. but you know, the police were trigger happy. And then it's like, whose jurisdiction is this? And um, the cover-ups, yeah, I think it's, there's, um, for a very simplistic, low-budget film, and, um, you know, I think they were really effective in bringing tangible fear and horror and dread into real-life situations that, you know, affect people on a daily basis, and one of the smart decisions I think that Kevin Smith did in order to really drive that home was that there's no score in the film there's no music there's only the music that the church sings and so that's another way that it feels very like authentic and almost yeah. like suffocating like you're in this moment with them because it's not like some drama where you have this orchestra in the background or this you know this chase scene with music like it's very organic mm -hmm. and i think that plays into the dread of the entire narrative really and the fact that like the way he shot it like during the church yeah. scenes i felt hot mm -hmm. i felt like i was in <laughs> that yeah. church as well and it was i could mm -hmm. i could almost smell the murphy's oil soap and the incense and the and the stickiness and the hotness of it of a yeah. hot auto, a hot day and and also the fact that what really threw me off was when the Stephen Root was the one who fucked up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But he kills the survivor that we've been watching, that we've been hoping I that know. he's gonna make it, and we're like, that okay, he's terrible. almost, he's out. Yes, go, 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 kaboom! And you're like, what the fuck just happened? It pulls the rug out from under you, especially with the police's ineptitude. And John Goodman is the only one like, what the fuck is going on? And then the moral mm -hmm. dilemma aspect that John Goodman has put oh, in of having to kill children everyone. and everybody yeah. just to cover up their own mistake and the fact that the government would rather say, oh, just kill them all and let, and let God sort yeah. them out. Well, and that's such a real-life um, debate or debacle when he is, when one of the main characters is who was kidnapped is sitting in the room with one of the members of the church. She's like, you have to help me. Like, how would you not? They think, how do they know that you're not one of us anyways? Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And he's just like, fuck you. Like, kill me. I don't care at this point. My friends are dead. And you know, her rationale was very logical yeah. and makes sense in terms yeah. of going out there with the police and thinking that, Oh, well, just cause the cops are here or the sheriff's here, you're safe. So I really thought that writing was smart. Well, and I usually come to a Kevin Smith movie for, you know, dick and fart jokes. And here we have <laughs> this heady, heady material that I was not prepared mm -hmm. for. John Goodman's over there. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> I could have been so John good. Goodman, though. Like, he's, he's like my TV dad. I fucking love him. Well, so he's around, did any like, of okay. you guys watch Treme on HBO? I've seen um, that. Mm-mm. No, okay. It was, it, uh, it was like basically it is about New Orleans post Katrina, mm -hmm. 
and John Goodman's in it. And I should have made better notes because the female lead that lured the kids is Melissa his wife. Leo. Melissa Leo. Mm. And I'm glad I had some distance between that and this. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the uh, kind of a joy of this movie too, is kind of having those moments going, oh, Melissa Leo. Oh, Kevin Pollack. Ralph yeah, Garman. Yeah, Melissa Leo. That's, oh, mm. She's such a great actress. No, yeah, I was... I was shocked with this one, and I, Liz, I actually did see this at the Midland, at that uh, okay. infamous thing where uh, the Phelps daughter came in for the Q and A. We did yeah. the 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 anti protest. I had a sign that said "Cthulhu loves gay people." Like <laughs> it was that's amazing. It was intense. It was crazy mm. intense, and I walked away basically completely changed for the most part. Now, my question though is, watching it this time, I get horny teens. I was once a horny teen, you know, where my, oh my libido God, yeah. would maybe take me somewhere I shouldn't go. But maybe it's because I'm an older man now. But I'm just like <laughs> yelling at these kids going, don't think like, with you your privates, idiots. man. <laughs> yeah, this is just well, so bad. It's like hostile. Like you wouldn't get in that situation if you just yeah. like had, you know, just chill. Like chill. It'll happen. <laughs> also, like, you know, like, chill just, out. Just calm down. Like you'll get off. You'll lose your virginity one day. Like it's okay. You can, I mean, I don't know. That was, I agree with you. That was kind of ridiculous too. Because I find it more terrifying, like if they actually were gay or in a relationship, right. you know, but yeah it's hard to watch because you're like okay what is the gain in it like what is the true amazing experience you're having i mean you're with your three dude friends that you <laughs> want to hang out with i mean it's the same thing i i mean i personally there's a lot of things i don't understand about boys obviously but like when i hear about boys just sitting and watching porn together i'm just like what what <laughs> i'm like that is such a weird thing to me but i i <laughs> I mean, I am a sheltered, grew up, went to a Catholic school, all girls school type of person. So I was not around high school boys that much when it, during that period of my life. I mean, now I teach high school boys, so obviously whatever, but I just, ugh, like it's so gross. And then they show up there and I mean, no offense to that woman, but she's not the like not something that i would think that a high school kid would get super hyped about yeah, well let, let 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 me let me speak for all the horny high school kids all the horny high school boys out there um it felt somewhat realistic cuz as speaking as a horny high school a former horny high school boy you would go do stupid shit for the chance of even anybody touching your penis. You know what I'm saying? Now, I will stop at driving an hour and a half to like have like some sort of unholy orgy with the salty vet, but at the same time, like No, I I again, I don't I can't see everybody. Well, let's all have it the same time. We're, and the whole talk that they had, but that's back. It's it's, it's again, yeah. you know, it, it's not right, but it's how <laughs> horny teenage boys talk. So I could see that, but yeah, up of short of like, well, what are we gonna do? All I was kind of with the guy, like that's <laughs> in the back, like uh, that's kind of weird. Like whatever, well, dude. Also, I would have been like. Uh -huh. Okay. It's hard to watch because all three of those guys I know from other oh like pr things. And so it's like the one really tall kid, I'm like, that's the kid from Sky High who's like, <laughs> yes. he's, like okay, glows in the dark or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and oh, and no. then you've got Beaver oh, no. from Veronica Mars, who's yeah, he ends up being a psycho in the Veronica Mars too, spoiler alert. That was him. But, oh, get the fuck uh, out of town. 
<laughs> and then the other kid, I I know him from The Art of Getting By, and he's a douche in that movie, but there's he's in other movies too. But I mean, like, I, I don't, it's just a weird thing to see them all together, I guess, because I, I don't know. It's just so weird. I can't get over it. I'm starved for life. I can't. <laughs> I actually do appreciate the fact that they were drugged when drinking a beer because I feel like through a female mm-hmm. perspective, this is something that women are practically grown up with. You know, yeah. like girls yeah. are not going to go meet a guy True. in a trailer mm. or house or whatever. And drink a beer. And drink mm-hmm. a beer just <laughs> given to them. Like they're, we're constantly on edge. We're constantly looking over our shoulder. I, this is something that's like been ingrained in for women and our society. And so it is kind of good in a way. It's kind of, it's kind of sort of weird to say it like that, but Mm -hmm. I think that it's, um, I like the approach that they took with it because it shows how men can just have their guard down. Like, yeah, let's go Mm -hmm. run a train on this random woman in the woods and drink her booze and we'll be fine. You know, it's like this male not only entitlement but there's this male security Mm -hmm. that nothing can happen to Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. you can get away with anything and you don't have to worry about getting hurt and so Mm -hmm. i thought that that was like a good flip of the script absolutely because you don't think of that stuff when you are a young horny teenager you know that those kind of lessons as as a guy don't cross your mind well even as an adult i don't think a lot of men do well no and no as i was gonna say as an adult like i i understand what you're saying how you liked seeing them being drugged but you don't want to say i like yeah (laughs) no 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 i know that's what i'm saying it sounds bad when you say it like that when you say i like them kids getting drugged it's a lot of fun happens on our podcast all the time where I'm I like, know. God, this is going to make me sound like such a bad person. Oh, the role no. reversal was nice. <laughs> the role reversal. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. like a role reversal. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I know how it is when you still feel like everything you say is going to make you feel like a bad person. That's like 90% yeah. of the podcasts. 90% of the Nightmare <laughs> Junkhead episodes, I'm like, ooh, I, I sounded kind of bad on that one. <laughs> uh, exactly. Although, you guys, I did appreciate one thing that I specifically wrote down because when they were looking at the app, one of the guys um, was like, you can't see their faces. I'm like, what 16 or 17 year old boy is going to be like, I want to see your face. I thought that was very odd. So guys, is that a thing? Uh, well, we'd I'm... like to know what we're getting into, I guess. <laughs> but it's all, it's all different because one of the guys is like, I can't see your face. Another one of the guys is like, I don't fucking care. You know? That, so, that's well, kind of how I thought like, You put a bag on her head. Uh-huh. Right. So oh, like... Uh, yeah. Turn her over. You want to see her face. Oh, no. <laughs> the, 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 the thoughts and views expressed by the Black Magic Coven do not necessarily represent the thoughts and views of Nightmare Junkhead. Final thoughts here on Red State, because we definitely want to make sure that we uh, put these two together here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's definitely not a feel-good, fun horror film. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a political religious commentary yeah. but i think it's definitely worth checking out and uh, like mm. revisiting it kelly as a first time watch decent yeah yeah i think it's decent for sure it's definitely heavy yeah. and coming from like fright night to this is so <laughs> different yeah it's fucking heavy coming from like mall rats to i mean this. yeah yeah <laughs> honestly well, obviously, we, we all loved both films quite a bit, but only one can advance into the round of The Hateful Eight. And we have two bits of criteria that we're going to go ahead and look at. And our first question is, which of, the f- which of the two films 
is closer to your heart. Closer to the heart. Yeah. So we're going to pull on the nostalgia strings. We're going to have our guests go first. So we're just going to go ahead. Uh, Liz, Fright Night or Red State? Which is closer to your heart? I mean, I have to go with Red State because I was, I feel like I was there through the whole process of the film. Completely understood. Those, that's the true nostalgia there. Andrea. Yeah. Uh, this is so hard. Um, I think I'm also going to go with Red State um, just because it hit a lot of emotional notes that weren't necessarily like warm fuzzies, but like very much got me in the feels. Completely. Marissa. I'm going to have to go with Bright Night. <laughs> I think it had more nostalgia factors for me because um, I enjoyed the original and I just had a lot of um, fun and escapism with it and just the whole lore of vampires in general and how they pushed that uh, envelope was really enjoyable. Perfect. Oh, Kate. and Colin Farrell got his shirt on. So. <laughs> <laughs> Behold the abs. Yeah, the abs. That's just what I'm going to call them now. Kaylee. I'm going with Fright Night too. I just have, <laughs> I am like such a sucker for fun, campy, like, horror movies that when I see a good one that I enjoy it just like makes me so happy and like you said Marissa like the escapism of it just kind of watching a fun movie for a little while and while it's horror it doesn't feel like terrifying (laughs) (laughs) understood on that side genius I'm gonna go Fright Night um I didn't see either of these movies in the theater and so I really have no nostalgia factor in that and while Red State seemed to be, to me, significantly more scarier. It's not very often that you find a remake that you really enjoy, and it's well done, and it's significantly different, but yet the bare bones of the story is right there. Um, And you're burned more often than not. So for that reason, I'm going to go for Closer to the Heart. I'm going to go Fright Night. Totally works. And... I did see Red State in the theater. I did see it at the Midland with the counter protest. And again, that fueled my nostalgia in the first round. And had I seen Fright Night in the theater, I think I definitely could give it a potential vote. But no, it's just the warm and fuzzies when I think about that fateful evening at the Midland. Now, that being said, from the heart to the head, we're going to ask here, if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2011, which one, if you removed it, would leave the year poorer? A little bit more abstract, but we're going to go ahead and start with you all again. Liz, what do you say on that one? Hard. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to risk it and go ahead and say Red State again. I feel like it's probably not going to win. I don't know. I'm just, I'm assuming. I, but it, I think because it's so, it's a weird, because originally I was like, oh, I'll go with Fright Night because it's more fun and it's more rewatchable for me. Like I would probably watch Fright Night way more than I would watch Red State again. Mm-hmm. But the thing yeah. is, is that I think because watching Red State today was so impactful, I kind of feel like it needs to exist still maybe because I think that this movie, there's plenty of movies like Fright Night out there. Mm-hmm. I think that you can get that same feeling from, but there's not a lot of movies that are commenting on this particular issue and i think that it should exist so there you go andrea yeah same um i i did i very much enjoyed fright night but um i think yeah if you took it away i I, i'm trying to think of another movie that like because there's a lot of cult movies or like things like this that just 
the way he executed it and the acting and just the total package. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an important film. Oh, nice. And we already have another Fright Night, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Kaylee. God. Um, as much as I enjoyed Fright Night, I think you guys are probably right about Red State. I think it's just uh, more impactful. And like you said, Andrea, we have the original Fright Night. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that's forever vanquished from the universe. As much as I love Colin Farrell's abs, <laughs> I think, abs. <laughs> I think uh, Red State is definitely going to be more of like the impactful movie that people right. are going to continue talking about. So that's another vote for Red State. All right, Marissa. Okay, clarifying um, question really quick. Do you mean take away from the year 2011 or do you mean like take away the movie's existence altogether? Altogether. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I altogether then, as if it never existed, then I would say I would agree with everyone else in the coven and say Fright Night. Um, the original stands. Um, Tom Holland is, you know, the he created this story and he's fantastic you know he's also a writer on like child's play and thinner so i feel like i don't know we we got a good amount from the 80s and then red state is definitely um important and uh it's almost ahead of its time a little bit you know um the fact that it did come out in 2011 and it seems more uh tangible and it's a bummer that it's ahead of its time that's yeah it's unfortunate (laughs) yeah it's definitely unfortunate but i mean it just yeah i think that that's something that people should you know definitely seek out and um you know keep around more absolutely absolutely kaylee sure you went oh sorry 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 that's what i went it's my turn greg (laughs) (laughs) no um (laughs) I, I think that if you t- my vote's going to be for Red State because I think if you took away Fright Night, you'll still have the original Fright Night. You'll still have the original Fright Night too. You'll still have Thirty Days a Night. You'll still have all these <laughs> other vampire movies that not some are done better, some are done worse, but you'll still have that lore. If you take away Red State, you're going to take away a horror villain group that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. We're you would take away. Um, a peek into real life horror and the real machinations that go on in this. Not as real as in as fake as a Kevin Smith right. movie could be, but we do know that there's examples of that horse shit going out there. And so for that, because it's a new monster, because it's a relatively new monster in the world, there's been vampires since forever, but media loving fundamentalist hate crimers sure that's necessarily in the first hundred years of us so i think if we took away fright night we would be okay but if we took away red state we would be missing something and i'm also gonna i'm basically gonna give the same answer because my thing is if you take away the remake you have the original Mm -hmm. But you take away Red State, you take away a very unique film from the Kevin Smith filmography that is such a different beast mm-hmm. than what we're accustomed to. And it also, for, for better or worse, put him on a trajectory where we do have Tusk, which I like. Um, yoga Hosers, <laughs> eh, we'll talk about maybe that potentially later. Mm-hmm. But by a score of eight to four, so it shall wow. be written, so it shall be done, making its way into the hateful eight, 
Kevin Smith's Red State. I love the end of Red State when he's like, oh, and hallelujah, and God, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Loved it. That's like a Kevin Smith flair, like right at the end, you know? And it was Kevin Smith. My favorite was um, because fuck people like this when they're like, why were you going to, like, you're just going to kill him anyway? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. No truer words, no truer words. Exactly. Now, the exactly. next matchup that needs to be we a have. Shirt. Fuck people like that. Yeah, it should be mm-hmm. on a mask. Our next matchup in the round of the Scream 16, we have Wes Craven's Scream 4 going up against Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods. Two totally meta films that I'm curious to see how they battle together. So, which one shall we start with first, Good Coven? Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Let's d- d- go on into the Cabin in the Woods. Where do we start with that one? gonna win yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna win I'm I, I don't have a lot of lists but <laughs> they're the, calling their like, shot right the now top whatever number horror movies ever made yeah like, it is classic no. so no uh was this so i assume this was not anyone's first time correct obviously you all are uh you know very familiar with this one yes mm-hmm. let's put the there pause on until Ill, until liz comes back yeah just one second i'm gonna get some water yeah yeah, I think I the feel overall like such a jerk when I saw the lineup because I'm like I don't even care about the other movies. I know, <laughs> but, you, you, but you know what? That's the beauty of a movie like this—the one that just sinks its you know fangs into your heart and it just makes you <sighs> love it. Yeah. Well, Kaylee, let's get your reaction to Cabin in the Woods. I love this movie. Uh, I had I've seen it before, obviously, but I hadn't watched it in a while, so I rewatched it on Monday. I think it was. And it was, I mean, it's just as good as I remember it being. It's just so much fun to watch. Okay. Oh, no, dude. Okay. I, it, you froze again. I thought I lost oh, everybody no. again. Um, yeah, it's just so much fun. And it's so unique. And it's uh, the way it tackles the horror genre. The fact that there's these guys it controls and like all the different settings they have going on. It's just, I mean, it's genius. Truly, truly. Uh, Liz, what was your initial interaction with Cabin in the Woods? Well, um, this is kind of a weird thing to say now, but I am a huge Buffy fan. I mean, I still will always be a Buffy fan. Obviously, Joss Whedon sucks and should just jump off a cliff, Mm -hmm. but like that's a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was when this movie was coming out, I was still huge into my Whedon fandom like of anything. So I was like watching Dollhouse. Uh, I loved anything that anyone connected with Buffy did. Um, I mean, like Buffy will be my forever fandom for uh, always. I mean, by the way, in Red State, Mark Lucas is in there for like two seconds. That's Riley from wait, Buffy. Wait, Riley was in there? Yeah, he's the cop that gets the little blonde girl and is like, I don't know if I should kill her. And then, the, oh. and then he gets shot by the mom. Oh wow, the initiative. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> bro, branched out. Yeah, uh, but. So I was very excited for this movie leading up to it coming out. Uh, Similarly to Red State, I guess. I would say more about this than I was about Red State. Uh, So this was a huge movie for me. And also it blew my freaking expectations out Mm -hmm. of the water. So not only was I super excited about it, but then when the twist happens and all the stuff starts going down, I remember just being like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, like... (laughs) And just, uh, it was so good. Like, and I think that it was exactly what horror needed. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I think continues to be something that we go back to. I mean, I rewatched this movie. I don't rewatch movies very often. 
it is a rare thing for me i'm not a huge movie rewatcher. I, i'm like there's so many things out there i need to see what else is out there and watch new things but this is one that i can put on pretty much any time and i'm entertained and i just yeah i love this movie so it's it's wonderful marissa I agree. Um, I love this film. I think that it takes horror comedy to a new level and Mm -hmm. also just the horror genre in general, while also um, showing a love for the genre. Um, It's very smart in the sense of how the play, like the throwbacks are obvious, but they're not overly done or annoying. Mm. And so I think that it just can hit so many different notes for horror fans and different kinds of horror fans across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, And the twists and turns, it's like a roller coaster ride. It's just a thrill. It's fun. It's fucked up. It's, you know, well-made and um, it's really enjoyable. This is one that I would definitely uh, rewatch multiple times over. And I think it's also a really good uh, entry level horror film to mm-hmm. people who may be um, <clears throat> not super into the genre or, you know, you have sometimes people will say, oh, I don't really like horror movies. Well, it's hard to not like Cabin in the Woods. It's so much fun. So if I knew someone who um, thought that way, like that's a recommendation I would say to kind of ease them into it. So um, I think it just uh, hits a lot of different notes. It's great. And what you all didn't see was Andrea nearly jumped out of the Zoom into the room here <laughs> when we started talking Cabin in the Woods. So yep. that. So what? What is your background? You know, history with this one here. So I um, didn't have a lot going into it, and I actually avoided it in theaters. Um, because I thought, I'm like, oh, it's going to be another slasher movie, stupid kids in the woods, whatever. I'll catch it when it comes out. Um, and then I watched it and it was like, it is a love letter to horror fans. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and just all like all of the tropes and like the characters not actually being what they are, like in the movie, like that when the girl dies her hair blonde and they put the stuff in the hair dye to make her act mm-hmm. like, so I was just like, um, the uh, all the all of that I loved. The twist at the end was just, I, I'm a big sci-fi fan too. And I like that kind of elements in my movies. Um, and I will rewatch this probably a thousand times just so I can like try to guess all of the characters that are in the cell or like the little elevators because mm-hmm. it's insane how many are in there. Remind you to remind me to send you my list that I compiled them. But nice. Oh, what if they did a so, spinoff series and they went over all the characters? Oh, that'd be fun. Like a oh, Netflix series. Like like how yes. they got each monster or created yes. each monster. I would actually be so into it because I love. Not a lot of people like prequels, but I sort of like origin stories and Too. backstories and stuff. Like that'd be so. I would totally. Watch I'm picturing that. like a Van Helsing type character going around and hunting down all yes. these creatures and putting them in these boxes. But they're hired by the government that right. does that. Yes. So yeah. I remember the one thing that I was bummed about when I saw this was that I was like, man, I wish they wouldn't have just picked the hillbilly zombie things. Like, that's the most boring one. I'm like, well, why couldn't they gotten, I mean, it, obviously we get to enjoy a lot of the other hmm. ones, but I was like, oh, wouldn't it have been cool if they got the Hellraiser dude or something? You know, yeah. like, uh, but also I do have to give a shout out because I think that obviously I was paying a lot of attention when this movie was coming out. 
um, I was on buffyboards.com. So we were all very hyped about this. Ah, ah. So um, the, uh, I remember loving the promo posters for this movie because it was just a plain picture of a cabin in the woods, obviously said the cabin in the woods, but each poster had a different tagline kind of thing like where it would say, have sex or make fun of him split up it was all like the dumb things you definitely shouldn't do in horror movies <laughs> that's so funny and so yeah. i just remember being like oh these are the cleverest posters i mean you know obviously i mean like i you know this was my life when i was like i love film and you know whatever kevin, <laughs> kevin uh, smith <laughs> yeah kevin smith is the quality <laughs> filmmaker oh, like <laughs> well so but, i have a question what do you think would what items do you think in the basement would draw you the most like they chose the mm -hmm. the diary right mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i feel like i would have picked up that music box with the creepy ballerina that's the, yeah. that's the one that i feel like i would have got me and that ballerina was terrifying yeah it was. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. Kind of like an original-ish character i would say i mean she kind of just goes with like creepy little girls or whatever but funny thing uh, is like darkness falls her name is the tooth fairy yep Oh, yeah, that's right. But she's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what uh, monster it was associated with, but that dollhouse, I would have been all in that. Mm. The dollhouse was the strangers. Oh, yeah, okay. Is Andrea I love home? dollhouse yeah. horror. Is, is Andrea I home? Really like it. <laughs> I love I, dollhouse horror. Dollhouse horror. It's did you see that? Did you watch the creep show show? I have a reoccurring dream where I get trapped in a dollhouse, so I'm not, I try to avoid it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's even an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark about I dollhouse. know. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, Marissa, do you, have you seen the creep show series? Yes. Hey, I haven't seen all of it, though, but I've seen most of it. Have you yeah, seen it's, it's the dollhouse fun. one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was actually that was a good one. Yeah, I really mm -hmm. did enjoy that. Yeah. No, and I you you all mentioned a little bit about a prequel with this, and that's the one thing I think that we still possibly could do, as long as it centers around Bradley Coop, uh, Bradley Whitford, mm -hmm. yes. and Richard Jenkins. Yep. Yeah, yep. If yeah. we can get another like a successful one that went through, you know, rather than the one we get obviously here, because the time spent with them from the get go. I was just immediately enamored with him because I'm. Mm -hmm. yes, we are so huge Richard Jenkins fans. Yes. Just mm -hmm. that man can do no wrong. Yeah. But I would love to see a successful run of what they've done, when still with all their shenanigans and interactions. Mm -hmm. But it's great mm -hmm. how the movie blends their comedic yeah. corporate world with this non-funny, actual. Like if you take all of the. Uh, scientist aspect away from it you have very basic but decent generic slasher sure. up until the part of the basement so when you add those two flavors that shouldn't work with office corporate politics and cabin in the woods slashers yeah. to work like that mm -hmm. it's truly amazing and i really enjoy the fact that this letter is not only, I mean, this movie, this letter, this movie is not only a love letter to fans, but it's also like one of those fuck you to fans too, but in the kind of way when your friend makes fun of you so bad or says something that you have no comeback for it because you know it's true, but yet you can't help but laugh, you know? You're just like, mm, you got me. All right, all right, all right, right. Because that's what this movie did. It did, yeah. it's a love letter. Hey, fans, we know you love this and this is why these things happen, but also... You do know that you can ruin a lot of people's worlds by just saying you don't fucking like this movie. You know, you you are the elder gods that will destroy a film studio because of negativity. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, 
the when we see Richard Jenkins and Bradley Woodford on the little golf cart and the title card reveal, I just think is so I don't know why. I just have to say I love that title card reveal. It's so stupid, but like the entire <laughs> like, opening yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Like when they're talking about like the wife's like child proofing the house and stuff yeah. like that's yeah. what they're doing to the cabin. So like, it it's yeah. well yeah. and what's it's great so is it, I think it's I think it's an homage to the intro of funny games because it also yes. has mm-hmm. that very stark and what I love mm-hmm. with the original funny games is it does feature at that moment John Zorn's Naked City playing in the background, which any avant-garde fans out there go, hey, John Zorn, all right. I can't so, say that much <laughs> more good about funny games, though. Yeah, I, oh, oh, no, yeah. yeah. Haneke is not one. Well, and that's what's kind of crazy is the fact that we go from a movie like Red State to something like Cabin in the Woods that there are yucks to be had. There are good times to be had, but there's also maybe, like you all were mentioning, more of a secret message going on here. So there's text, there's subtext. You can enjoy it for the movie itself, or you can just be one of those people that love every little Easter egg that's mm-hmm. in there. And that's why I think this movie works so well. And the fact that it yeah. put the term husband's bulge in lexicon. I think that's a funny <laughs> term. Like, <laughs> and the fact that they bring it up, he's got a husband's bulge. You know, And I love the fact that the stoner fool was the one that put everything two and two together. Dude, yeah. Stoner, yeah. Like, Franz is so great. And he was the best part of Dollhouse, IMO. Um, but <laughs> that moment that he pulls out his retractable bong and he uses it as a weapon is yeah. mm-hmm. cinema gold. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm in a Discord channel for, uh, like, basically horror people. It's this YouTuber called Spooky Astronauts. I like, I Discord. love Spooky Astronauts. Yes, she's so awesome. She is uh, great. She is great. She's so cool. I love Emma. So I'm in her discord and I was talking about that. I was going to be on this podcast and I was like, we're talking about these four movies, blah, blah. We were chatting about them. And then also somebody like a few, a little while before that was like, what's some of your horror favorite, like horror movie scenes that come to your head. And I was like, honestly, this moment when Marty comes out and is like, you think he's dead, but he's not dead. And he just pulls out the freaking bong and (laughs) it's so amazing. It's so good. So I saw this movie in the theater actually like about a week or so before it opened up. It was one of those like free ticket advanced screening Mm -hmm. type things. And when that moment happened, when you just see the bong retract out, whoosh, you could hear people would, yeah! I mean, people cheered. And I'm not even going to lie, I was one of them. I was like, yeah! You got to get out of here, Nemo. Your shit is all topsy-turvy. Love it. Love it. They definitely I was, um, well, I was looking at trivia for this film, and there was, um, they said that his character received like stoner lessons where people experts would teach him how to like light a bong and roll different kinds of <laughs> joints and how does, why you would use this paper or that paper. It's like, you needed lessons? Like that dude never got well, high, who, really? Not only the fact that you need lessons, but who teaches that and how can I get certified? Because like- <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, it's like you have scientific like consultants or <laughs> medical consultants. You have stoner consultants on right? films. It's like we need our consultant and then all of a sudden I just come in with a billow of smoke right behind me. <laughs> you rang. You right. Y'all want to get high? You know, just- <laughs> so other thoughts on Cabin in the Woods before we switch over to another meta masterpiece. Um, I did love the wolf makeout scene. Oh, (laughs) that has always bothered me because I know nothing is going to happen. 
but yet every time she does it, you I'm like, feel like something's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess yeah. they put like sugar or something on, like I can't remember what it was on the tongue to make it a little better for her. But yeah, I can't imagine it would have tasted good, especially Still a taxidermied tongue. wolf that's been there for a long time. Because I never <laughs> went to like a fucking TGI Fridays and saw the deer head and like you know I'm gonna kiss that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like. And I swear, I can't look at taxidermies be because pleased. of another Cabin in the Woods movie. Because I'm just, every time I think an uh, animal head is going to start laughing, like, ah, <laughs> swallow your soul, you know? So I got to give her props to making out with that wolf. Yeah, movies ruin everything for you, genius. It's sad. It's sad. I know. So again, from one film that is very clever to another film that is very clever, uh, Scream 4 by Wes Craven. The fact that we're talking the fourth entry in a franchise that started many moons ago, and I'm not going to lie, Scream 4 for me, it's not as good as the original, but it easily for me ranks as the We're second favorite there. or second yeah. best for me. And I love the yeah. sequel. I love the sequel. But this one works so well. Something yeah. we've really enjoyed. What was your guys' uh, initial interactions with Scream 4? Mm, so a few years ago, God, maybe it was like four years or four or five years ago, uh, a friend and I decided to do a Scream marathon. So I had only seen like the first two, I think prior to that. So we around Halloween just like sat down and watched every episode, every movie of screen or yeah, every screen movie in the series. <laughs> I great. did a very similar thing, Kaylee. At yeah. in college, we all were like, let's watch all the screen movies. And I yeah. remember we like I was an RA, so I had this sweet like apartment, mm-hmm. and my friend wasn't paying to live on campus, and I was literally letting him live in my. <laughs> <laughs> my room which was like totally not okay and I was an RA which was very sketch but like um and anyways we just like pulled out my mattress onto the floor and like just marathon movies like all day and uh it was wonderful and I had never seen Scream 4 um until then mm-hmm. so I think I had seen the other three already but I hadn't seen Scream 4 and I was I, I think that I had no expectations for that movie and was very impressed and i agree with you greg i think it's probably the second best out of the Uh, four for me Mm -hmm. marissa um i really enjoyed it i actually um revisited it again last halloween during quarantine i just watched all the films in the franchise and sort of gave me a, a new appreciation for it i because it's a younger cast, mm-hmm. I remember not being super excited about it, but I love Wes Craven at the same time. And I'm pretty sure that was the last film he directed before he passed. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, just, I think it's super enjoyable. And I um, it was my kind of first introduction to Emma Roberts and how yeah. she's kind of inserted herself into genre films and genre tv shows um once i saw her performance in that i was like oh she can go completely batshit that's great you know like i would like to see her in more you know psychotic roles for sure so uh yeah it was fun to revisit it again i think it's fantastic i agree with you though that um the first film is my favorite um but i would say this one is definitely up there in ranking absolutely Andrea. Yeah, this movie was a very surprise bitch moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, totally. No, it's true. I mean, that whole scene that she has in the end is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea, what was your initial interactions? 
So um, I appreciate Scream for the kind of reinventing the slasher and like refreshing the horror genre, but I've never been like a massive fan of, the, I've never seen two or three. Um, I watched four last night and was very pleasantly surprised um, by all of it. It was really good, but I've just, the whole time in the opening scene or the second opening scene, <laughs> um, I just so bad when she's like, shut the fuck up and watch the movie. I wanted, I was like, sookie. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, you're not going to get to the good place like that, Kirsten Bell. <laughs> they had me in, like, the first, yeah, like, ten minutes. I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> so was this was a first-time watch for you then? Yes. Oh, so none of you saw this in the theater? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. I see, and I didn't either. Really, but you? I saw it. Yeah. I was, I was, I was there for it, and it was a great viewing and a great surprise because, not to say I was burned by part three, but I was burned by part three, and <laughs> it, this almost pulled a um, Dumb and Dumber. It's like you totally redeemed yourself, you know, because. I wasn't expecting the heel turn from Emma Roberts. I wasn't expecting a Calkin mm-hmm. to show up out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting all this stuff. And yet it was just as fun, as just as much fun as I had in the first one, seeing in the theater and just took an off guard by like, Ooh, whoa, no way, it's fucking Emma Roberts. I did not see that coming. I didn't see it was Skeet Ulrich coming, you know? <laughs> so like all that really impressed and not necessarily blew my mind, but going back, seeing that it's both uh, Kevin Williamson and Russ Craven coming back together after so long, because it seemed mm-hmm. like one Scream hit, not about two years later was Scream 2, and not two years later after that was Scream 3. So I think it needed that time to actually breathe and for them to work on a script and make it actually smart and engaging as opposed to like sequel bait. And right. so that's what I really enjoyed about that, because it was an actually clever, smart, and a very good take on the meta aspect of 2011 horror. Well, and the original was a commentary on slashers at the time, a very just drawn out, bored, cliched uh, genre. And here in you know 2011, they were able to recomment on on the remakes, J horror, and how the rules have been redefined by a new generation of horror fans and mm-hmm. what i love is we got that new generation with you know their webcasting and you've got and listen yeah kirby in this movie is the one that and i i don't want to sound like a creepy old man but kirby's I the shit i love kirby yeah. she is so she's just someone that loves movies and i think more than anything is like listen even though i'm a female that doesn't make me any less of a horror fan as someone that enjoys this stuff as much mm-hmm. as you. And I, I like that in the movie. Oh, that scene when she's like, oh, it's the remake. And she's like, it's Cabin in the Woods. I'm like, you fucking rock, Kirby. You didn't miss a one of them. And so like, yeah, no. Kirby, Kirby's the shit. Save the cheerleader indeed. Well, and a lot of times with women in horror, especially as fans, we get gatekeeped. Like people, Mm -hmm. gatekeeping is such an annoying fucking thing. And so it's refreshing to have these female characters in horror films that, you know, can be fans and just kind of, you know, enjoy being a genre fan without having to like take a lot of shit. Like Mm -hmm. she has a really good air about her and she's a great character. And so they didn't make her you know, ditzy and uh, mm-hmm. the guys didn't constantly try and, you know, make her seem like she didn't know what she was talking about. Like they respected her and 
you know, she even made the move on a dude. Yeah. So um, I think that was from a female perspective, that was a well-written character too. Mm-hmm. Just all around. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, other thoughts on Scream 4. Um, the turn. Again, Scream is all about the reveal of the killer or the killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, genius, you didn't... I didn't see it coming, especially because I was thinking, okay, this is a remake, and even though it was nothing, not necessarily a remake, I should say, but okay, it's Scream 4, mm-hmm. and it almost felt very remake-ish in a way because Emma Roberts was playing the Nev Campbell character Sydney perfectly until mm-hmm. the turn. Um, the Calkin and I, Rory and I, I can't even think of the other guy's name. They played the Jamie Kennedy role very well until the turn. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like that remake, but then that turn just made it so much sweeter, especially because I really did not see it coming. The the you... Julia Roberts thing just fucking pulled the wool over my eyes, and I loved it. Julia Roberts? Yeah. Emma, Emma, Emma. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fuck Julia Roberts. I'm going to tell you that for now. Because Julia Roberts, she's made maybe like two or three good movies. Emma Roberts, I will consistently seek out what she's done. Because I know it's going to be something wild, something very well done, and something unique. I mean, Black Coat's <laughs> daughter was the shit. Okay. <gasps> Don't do Julia Roberts dirty like that, okay? <laughs> yeah. I Settle down I, over there. I do. <laughs> I do like some Emma Roberts. Don't get me wrong. I love Emma Roberts, but like Scream Queens is my jam. That was such an underrated show. Scream Queens was love the shit. it forever. Um, yeah. So, anyways. So, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Final words. This movie's great, and I really do love it. And I'm sad that it's about to lose, but it is. Oh man! Damn! Yeah. Shots fired. I mean, I liked it, but I still kept like I'm a huge scary movie fan, and I, it is so it's messed up my brain to the point that like from the beginning, I'm like he's not doofy, <laughs> like it just yeah. What do you guys I, think about the new one that's supposed to come out next year? I haven't heard about it yet, it's but I'm supposed to be it's supposed to be a direct sequel to Scream Four, from what I yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. But I'll watch yeah. it. It's the Ready or I'm Not, excited. folks. So I'm gonna go see it. I really yeah, that yeah. One. I'm yeah. excited about it for sure. Well, we're uh, trying not to show our biases here. As uh, too late, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> but only one film can go into the round of the hateful eight and compete against Red State. So let us go ahead and start. Andrea, which of the two films, Scream Four or Cabin in the Woods, is closer to your heart? This is going to be shocking, but I'm going to go with the Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I think we know why. We are definitely good yeah. on that. Uh, Kaylee, which of the two, Scream Four, Cabin in the Woods, closer to your heart? I'm going to go with Cabin in the Woods, and this is a story I forgot to mention earlier, but I worked in a film projection booth when Cabin in the Woods came out in 2011, so I would, after I saw it, even before I like actually saw it, I could stand in the projection booth and watch movies, so I would like peek into Cabin in the Woods every once in a while because we had a little volume knob there so we could hear the movie in the projection booth, uh, so definitely, definitely Cabin in the Woods. Perfect, perfect. Marissa? Uh, I'm going to agree with (laughs) Andrea and Kaylee and go with Cabin in the Woods. I think that um, if it, I mean, I just didn't have a nostalgia factor connection with Scream 4. I I do with the first one um, and those characters in that cast a lot more, but Cabin in the Woods just... I think it encompasses so many things that I love about the genre, whereas um, Scream 4 is just more like a, a glimpse, I guess. 
Totally works. Totally works. Liz. Red steak. I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Cabin in the woods. Obvi. Shocking. <laughs> Completely understood. Genius. I saw both these movies in the theater. I was hyped for both these movies. And I remember really enjoying both of these movies in the theater. But if you were to talk to me right now and say, hey, you want to watch Scream 4 or you want to watch Cabin in the Woods, I'm going to go, bring on the husband's bulge. Let's see this Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> so, yeah, Cabin in the Woods. This one is a little bit more tough for me because I do really adore both of these films. Mm -hmm. I think they serve both purposes, many purposes well. Um, but with Scream 4, it did, even the last round, I think I mentioned, it made me go back and watch the original with the movie Crypt commentary on top of that. So it still just rings to my nostalgia ears here. So my vote is Scream 4. But if you were to take away one of these films from the year of 2011, one of them would definitely leave the year more poor. So that being said, Andrea, which one would you be taking away? Uh, Scream 4. Because we have Scream. <laughs> now, so so now technically, though, no, but that one would leave the year poor. No, her vote for oh, uh, oh sorry, Cabin I'm in the Woods. Taking away in the woods. Yeah. Okay, there yeah, we go. There yeah, which one would leave it poor? Is, is yeah, if we take away Scream yeah. for yeah, I got, I got gotcha. you. There we go. Sorry, no, 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 you were good, Kaylee. I'm I'm keeping Cabin in the Woods. Are you crazy? That movie was <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't be a question. <laughs> I do love Scream Four. I do, but yeah, Cabin in the Woods. I think was just so unique and changed movies. Well, and plus Cabin in the Woods wins on the kill count because it's something like 9.6 billion. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. An entire population completely. Yeah. Uh, Marissa. Same. I'll, uh, I vote to keep Cabin in the Woods. I think it was just too, um, too much of a game changer for the genre and uh, yeah, just pushed the envelope way more. Liz? Yeah, I mean, I was right. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Greg, getting your one voted for screen. <laughs> I, I I was with that kid that was always picked last, you know. So I've just got to give that got to give that movie a little love. Genius. Yeah. So if you take away uh, Scream Four. You take away a really great sequel. You take a really good return of the form, a, a good return of a master of horror doing what he does best, mm -hmm. and that's making good, fun, scary movies. Um, and it's not very often that a f that a sequel will surpass a, all the, a lot of the other sequels. You know, especially when you're four. In in that being said, it's not very often that there is such a love letter and also a commentary on horror and fans mm -hmm. itself and that's done right and that's done with homage and respect to both the audience and the subject matter and the fact that you got so many fucking cool monsters in that movie and there's so much rewatchability in that not only with the jokes mm -hmm. but like you said like, like I fucking did like a couple of years ago when I went and I paused and I looked at every single item on the board and I looked at every single thing in the containment cube to see what it was and back and forth. And it wasn't a chore. I fucking loved doing that. Mm -mm. So for that reason alone, Cabin in the Woods is something truly, truly special. Basic math. You take away Scream 4, you still got the first three. Uh, you've got Courtney Cox's bangs <laughs> in the third one, which will always yes, be a reason to bangs. exist. 
bangs. She bangs. Stand, and then, I stand those bangs. <laughs> those baby tiny bangs, bangs are great. They're not too I bad. They're bangs. not too bad. And of course, with Cabin in the Woods, you would take away a, un- a very unique film. And both are very meta masterpieces, but one is a unique one by itself. And by a count of 11 to 1, God damn. Hitting the purge button on Scream 4 to make it to the next round is Cabin in the Woods, which means our Hateful Eight matchup in the year of 2011 is Red State going up against Cabin in the Woods. God damn, you can't get more different than that if you tried. And I didn't think... So I have a hypothetical question for you guys. We got a hypothetical Um, answer. I had read an article that Kevin Smith originally wanted the apocalypse to happen at the end of Red State. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And the four horsemen were going to come down. Uh Uh-huh. Money. And I feel like if that if he had taken that turn, and then I'm picturing the end of Cabin in the Woods where the hand comes ha! out of the earth, like those oh. two at a head to head with well, that ending. Did yeah. you know that the that the one of the four horsemen, two of the four horsemen was supposed to be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Uh, really? It was supposed to come back <laughs> all Loki? into the do- dogma world. And oh, so Well, you know what? This was beyond wonderful and i am so happy that you all were able to not only get two films into the next round here but also just taking the time to talk these movies because honestly i've been looking forward to talking to you all for a while oh yeah no ever since i knew you all were getting put together i was like we're gonna get them on the show somehow so i'm so glad that we're able to get you all on here thank you so much send spooky astronauts my love (laughs) yes i will Yay. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. So this is a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah. No, are you kidding? This is our pleasure indeed. Mm-hmm. Now, going into the next round, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Joe and Trace. Ooh, fundamentalists versus husbands bulge. We should get some interesting perspectives going on here, so we'll be back here in just a few minutes. 21 doesn't make me blood and dragon. We were having a ball. And that old cabin in the woods sitting down by the river on a September night. All right, gang, we are back, and as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let us again thank, goodness gracious, we've got Kaylee, Liz, Andrea, and Marissa from the Black Magic Coven podcast. Oh, oh yeah, Marissa. (laughs) And let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu to both Scream 4 and Fright Night. For real. And as we go into the next round, Genius, we like to say... We close one door, but yet another one always opens, and Mm -hmm. we are going to be basically entering another podcast here, Into the Mouth of March Madness. Now, you know our next guest as the duo that led me to some of my first-time sheep shenanigans. I swear that is not dirty. There is some context with that. Uh, Now, you can hear them. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear them wax philosophical as part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead from the Horror Queers Podcast, Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman. Hi, guys. People, people, guys and gals and everyone. (laughs) It's ah, faux pas right off the top. Come yeah, on, I'll fuck it up right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, what some people don't probably realize is when we had you all on the last time, you introduced me to a little lovely New Zealand flick called Black Sheep, which was yes. one of those movies I didn't know I needed in my life, and I'm glad you all were able to introduce that one to me. Mm-hmm. Oh. We are. I'm sure Joe is too, right? That's like one of your faves. It really is. It's one of my favorite horror comedies. So anybody who can spread the gospel of sheep eating people and people turning into sheep, it's we're all just better for it. 
I agree. I cannot disagree with that. Now, before we truly get mad here, uh, where can our listeners find you out on social media? Please plug and promote away. All right. So you can find new episodes of our show every Wednesday, anywhere that you get your podcast. And if you want to connect with us, we are available at Horror Queers on both Instagram and Twitter. And we've also got a Letterboxd account for the podcast. So just look for Horror Queers. We've got a YouTube channel. And um, for personal stuff, you can find me at Trace Thurman. That's my first name, last name with a D as in dog in the middle. And I am at Beastow on my remote. And that's the letter B. And I've followed you both on Twitter for some time. So that whole Twitter moniker, how it just follows you, the beast stole my remote. It's just so weird when I actually see someone in person and it's just their name and not the handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because what the <laughs> fuck is beast stole my remote? It's nonsense. But at this point, it's part of who I am. We're still trying to figure out what a nightmare junket is. So it's all good. <laughs> So, um, number one, we didn't realize that we had a true connection here with our friend Marissa as yeah. <laughs> when we were finishing up the conversation, I happened to mention who was going to be following them. You're like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no. And she's like, I know, like I work with, they're my butt. I was like, yeah. I love it. I love it. And it was <laughs> such a weird little thing because the horror community is just so close knit and wonderful anyway, but I love just the weird connections we all have well, without even knowing it. it it's super weird because like Marissa, Marissa and I work together at our day job here in Austin, Texas. And so we we met through a mutual friend who I guess we were all like in the horror circle together. But like I didn't like meet her through horror journalism. And we've kind of both like met in other ways. But then we also happened to work in horror journalism. I did have because what, what uh, Red State beat Scream 4. Is that, is, was that the bracket? Mm-hmm. I, had a lot, I had a lot of choice things to say about that. Because I oh, disagree. I'm sure there was some cussing behind the scenes. <laughs> But here we are. I get to rewatch White Red State, which is super uh, movie. We were legitimately shocked that it kind of advanced as far as it did. And we we blame the Black Magic Coven podcast for that. That was all them. <laughs> Any and all issues you have with the two. all over it. It's, it's that spell. It is. And it, it's kind of weird how, like, it is a small horror community. And I'm just, as soon as you're saying that, I was just thinking, like, a horror version of it's a small world after all. Like, you got, like, like the weird, like, there's a pinhead one. It's a world of pleasure, world of pain. You know, and just, like, all these different <laughs> different things. It's just, yeah. No, it is a very small world. That's super cool. Yeah, um, I mean, and again, I mean, I know we're going to talk about it eventually, but like, I, I don't dislike Red State. I actually really liked it when I first saw it. Um, I just, I, I didn't like it as much on this rewatch as I remembered liking it 10 years ago, because this movie, I mean, again, 2011 is 10 years ago. <laughs> well, and let's go ahead and d- dive right into it, actually, in terms of 2011. It's kind of hard, because I could, that, that's, the year is still fresh on my mind, uh, yeah. just in terms of who I was at the time, where I, and where I was, and it's, so opposite from where I am now, which is kind of crazy that so much can happen in 10 years. Do you all remember uh, the year 2011? Yeah. I mean, I still think that the 90s was 10 years ago. So <laughs> the idea that we are talking about actual 10 years ago and it we're into the aughts is very confusing for me. And yet when I look at the list of films that were released in 2011, I'm like, well, yeah, it was a good year. I was seeing a lot of these movies in theaters. Okay, see, I was looking at my list of 2011, and I was like, huh, this isn't really I that mean, there's, <laughs> there's some stuff in there that are questionable, but, like, I don't know. I have fond memories of seeing some of these films, for better or for worse. Yeah. 
that's one thing genius and I were talking about is we did see a fair number of these in the theater, uh, especially this and then like 2001, because that was around the time that I know I was just going to the movies just to go to the movies. Um, wait, 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 though. Which one of you did not see Final Destination 5 in theaters? That's Greg. Okay, okay I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw you under the bus with that one. <laughs> under the bridge bus. I listened to that today, and I was like, "What? Oh my god! I, 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 I just—I feel so bad that you missed the experience of that ending in a theater with a crowd. Like, <laughs> it was jaw-dropping. It was wonderful because, like, as soon as I was happy, like, oh yeah, it was. I wasn't the only one that was audibly excited about that ending. So yeah, that was a good ending. Well, I should say I just saw Harold and Maude in the theater for my first time. And seeing it with the crowd, because when I, I wanted to start laughing at parts that I wasn't sure I should be laughing at. And then when I hear everyone else cracking up and then I hear everyone else crying and I'm like, I, lo- I just you miss that communal experience. And I didn't realize not to go on a tangent here, but it is horror adjacent is Harold's obsession with death and how he's almost like this Tommy Jarvis esque figure, but just more from a well off family. Potentially, it's just so weird and wild. I loved it. <laughs> And again, if anyone—that's why that film connects with a bunch of horror people—is because really, it's like it's a character who's just obsessed with death and very nihilistic. Oh, and then I, and of course Ruth Gordon, who was always the uh, the mom from Every Which Way But Loose to me. So this was lovely to see her in a new light as well. I I love that that's your Ruth Gordon connection and not Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I, I never underestimate the power of Clint Eastwood and an orangutan. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> In, in Rosemary's Baby, we don't have saying uh, left turn, Rosemary, and then she punches someone. So you, can't. <laughs> you just see like this big hairy, like fuck you. <laughs> Not saying it would have made it any better potentially, but now um, I do want to bring something up here, just in regards to the podcast, because I am a regular listener, but I really do enjoy the show. Your recent episode featured a fellow Greg, and. There's not a lot of Gregs on, you know, a lot of horror podcasts. So it's very nice when I, you know, hear another one out there. And I wasn't prepared for where your all's conversation on Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood went. I I was expecting sleeping bag talk. You know, I'm expecting talk of telekinesis. However, the semen content I was not prepared for. So... If you could, maybe a first-time listener, especially Genius over there who's given me an eye going, wait, what are you guys talking about? Tell us a little bit about the podcast, especially any of our first-timers out there. Sell them on that particular episode. Well, wait, okay, Joe, you're going to have to refresh my memory. So, okay, we recorded that episode on a day that we normally don't record, so my brain was like, like, I was there, but like, I was like, I was like hovering above myself. It was an out-of-body experience for Trace, yeah. Yeah, but to the point where I... I, I think I just talk about semen too much because it was literally like when I started getting, when, when we started getting replies from listeners, like, oh my God, the semen talk is back. And I was like, did we talk about semen that recording? <laughs> yes, quite extensively. As the person who edited it, it yes. was a lot. Yes. But how did it come up? What were we talking about? Oh, gosh. Shagos? <laughs> yeah, there were, it was either something to do with Root or I think it was when... Um, the character goes into the kitchen to get a late night snack or something like that. But yes, yes uh, but, but doesn't that devolve into semen talk? Well, I think like, I, I mean, our, our show can sometimes get sexual. So I mean, like you know, like we, we tackle horror films from a queer perspective, and 
sometimes we can focus on when a movie is kind of i'm gonna say maybe not as interesting as it should be uh we we digress a lot (laughs) right and i think yeah from what i kind of remember greg brought up the the fact that all men should have sampled their own semen like or or they have at some point in their lives via masturbatory or i guess sexual activity whatever and we all shared our experiences and thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I was not, I was ready to conversate. I know the tangents y'all can go on and I love them, but that wasn't the tangent I was, ex- wasn't the, it was the tangent I deserved, not the one I was, ex- what is that, that, that whole Dark Knight thing? Right. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact when he's like, okay, what's the semen discussion? And you heard like, okay, which one, which one? <laughs> yeah. are we talking about? That's kind of like me like, the time you talked about squids, which time was that? Oh, the time we were talking about apple carts. You know? <laughs> we, we, we love our listeners, but a certain segment of them are, I'm going to favorably say, a horny bunch of people. And so we they, they demand content and we deliver. That's true. You could almost say that Trace delivers on, you know, uh, on demand based on certain types of topics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my trademark. Semen on demand is uh, what I'm saying. I was going to say that could be a new level of Patreon for you guys. Right. And also, <laughs> I would like to note that you all just did a um, Patreon episode on the X-Files episode of Home, which did. I remember coming into that sh- that episode about three quarters of the way through when you see oh. the reveal of the mom under the bed and... I don't know. I probably didn't sleep for like a week. That was just so terrifying. It's fascinating to me because when you watch it now, you realize how well constructed it is, but it doesn't feel shocking because we have moved so far beyond that. But I think for network television or something that's, you know, airing on the the Sunday night or the Friday night time slot, you're just kind of going and thinking, oh, it'll be creepy. I'm not expecting to see nightmare fuel on my television. It just was a reminder that X-Files was next level and could do some oh amazing God, yeah. work. I love those little stumble upons. You have like grandma and grandpa like over for dinner. And like, Heavens! Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, you watch it today. And granted, like I, I, I'm not an X-Files watcher. I've seen a handful of episodes. We've covered the sequel film on our podcast because that film has some problematic trans and homophobic elements to it. But it's so interesting watching it, you know, what, 25 years after it aired, and it's like, oh, it's not really that bad, even though a baby gets killed and buried alive in the first scene. And But but again, like, you're like, oh, this is 1995. Like, this shit wasn't common <laughs> on TV at the time. Because that episode was banned, wasn't it, for, like, a while? Like, aired yeah, once and then put in the vaults yeah. like it was a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never aired on network television again. It aired on, like, FX a bunch after that. Yeah, but, but not Fox proper. Yeah, and then mm. somebody was like, oh, yeah, in preparation for the episode, I watched it on Disney+. Plus." Right? I thought that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Time the, to change, folks. Yeah, and this is the Disney Plus that put an, a little bit of extra hair on um, Daryl Hannah's butt Darryl and Hannah, Splash. Yeah. yeah, so that is so weird. That is so weird. You know what? Sadly, I think Disney, as, lo- as much as I do love them, I think they can kind of ruin everything, sadly. <laughs> well and it's my my roundabout way of saying i really appreciate the content and it, the diversity level i really do dig so thank you for that as again as someone that really does listen and enjoy a lot of podcasts i appreciate that well 
Well, thank you. That's, I mean, yeah. I feel the, the warm and fuzzies. Ah, oh, well. Uh, keep it in your pants, Trace. That's all we're saying. I know. I'm, I'm semening right now. Yeah, this is going to just evolve into a semen talk really <laughs> quick. It's going to cause pollinate. It's going to be semen diddly. And it's just going to turn into terrible things. We can't go from squidly diddly to semen diddly, genius. That just is, that's a whole nother thing that we can't do. However, however, though, I will say. <laughs> I do think, however, some of the characters in at least one of the films that we're going to be discussing here would probably have some semen-related conversations. I think that's the best way. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's talk about Kevin Smith's Red State, which surprisingly and shockingly has made it this far into the turn, which we didn't think at this point. Well, and I, I, bef- I want to clarify. So I, again, I like mildly like this film. I, but when we get to the question of, you know, oh, does it represent the aesthetic of 2011? I guess I just feel like Scream 4 really better inhabits the aesthetic <laughs> of 2011. <laughs> but There's that's absolutely all no bias here. That's all I will say. On, sorry, that, that was like the first date I had with my, my now husband. Like we saw Scream 4 together and I love oh. Scream 4. But nevertheless... <laughs> We're not saying that you should just scrap the whole thing and like throw it in a fire, but yeah. um, you know, if you were a compound, we would raid you and Scream 4 would be the weapon we would do it with. I think I think though with Red State, I remember it being I remember it being longer, but I think it's just because it feels yeah. longer. Mm-hmm. Um yes. honestly, the when we're talking like it, it's a war movie. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I totally like. It, I do classify it as horror, but this the way it's shot, the way it's paced, is very much a war movie. And that, again, I remember it, but I don't remember the gunfights lasting that long ten years ago. And they go on for forty minutes. <laughs> well, it's it's such a departure from what I was so accustomed to Kevin Smith with, and I even yeah, when we were yes. rewatching it. I'm like, oh, the camera is moving and there is more stuff going on. But yeah, it really is kind of like a part siege film, part religious cautionary tale. Um, Joe, what was your background with this one? Was this one that you were familiar with before? So I had definitely seen it. I didn't see it in theaters. This was one of the ones that I missed. Well, but, but Joe, this he did like a yeah. rolling road show with this movie. So ba- I don't know if you remember. Like, it's, and I know y'all talked about it a little bit, but like it went to Sundance. He basically, after it screened, got up on the stage and was like, I'm buying it for $20 and, like, apologized to all the distributors and was like, I'm sorry, you guys, fuck y'all, but distributors have fucked me over my entire life. I'm going to distribute it myself. And then just went around the country screening it. <laughs> so, so Trace, where did you see it then uh, during, for the, because for, I also saw, I saw it at the Midland here at Kansas City. I saw it when it whenever it hit VOD or DVD okay. or okay. something. Okay. Like, I, I definitely saw I did not see it in theaters like Joe. Um, I'm sorry, like Joe, I right. did not see it in theaters. But I was curious about it because, again, it's like, oh, Kevin Smith is making a horror film. And yes. it, I, I, I forget that he – I don't even want to say he started the trend because, again, this is 2011 and you have uh, Adam oh – God, David Gordon Green doing Halloween, you know, in 2018. And, you know, people were so shocked because it's a comedian. It's like, yeah, but – Look at fucking Kevin Smith pulling Red State and Tusk out of his ass. But I think it's because Kevin Smith, I don't know, it like there's something about Red State where he's trying to do something, but he's also not fully committing to it. And I think the people who really like this movie, that's what they appreciate it for, is mm-hmm. that this movie switches gears every 20 to 30 minutes, which is ironic that we aren't going to end up talking about Cabin in the Woods, because Cabin in the Woods also 
pulls the rug out from under you, and they're both mysterious films in that capacity. Well, and my question for all of y'all is this, because I saw I was reading some reception, because it, it got a mild reception when it came out, but a lot of things I read were like, oh, Kevin Smith doesn't direct this very well. And I would actually say he does direct it very well. I think he does. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I think his screenplay for me is where the, the issues are because it's there's no nuance and it's about as subtle as a sledgehammer. But I feel like that's explicitly the point. Like right. this is the original all sides argument, right? Like there are no good yeah. characters except maybe arguably the Kiribishi character. Oh. Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I just love Carrie Bishi, so I'm going to say her name as often as possible because she's a great actress. Mm -hmm. But, it, I mean, I, I think that this film is fascinating, particularly as a bit of a time capsule, because it's, it's very reflective of a lot of the conversations we've had in the last couple of years about the rise of, you know, more conservatively-minded folks. Um, like, this felt very heavy-handed in 2011, but it actually feels more realistic in 2021. Yes, and that's the thing, right? Like watching this—if you—if you didn't have context for this movie, like obviously it's based on the Westboro Baptist mm -hmm. Church, but mm -hmm. if you didn't have context for this and you told me, "Oh yeah, that came out during the Trump administration," I would one hundred percent believe you. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think when you're dealing with subject matter like this and and the things that are true to life that can be true to life, you have to be heavy-handed. You know, I think there's a time for subtlety and there's a time for for just bluntness. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's I think that's what Kevin Smith was going for, you know, because yeah, and I think he directed the shit out of it because he really did when you did switch gears very often, but it seemed to have a cohesive story, which that can't be said for all of Kevin Smith's movies. Oh, I don't know. I do agree, and I think, so, uh, one thing that, again, worked for me 10 years ago that didn't work as well this time was how often people died. I think I like, I mean, because, like, you know, people are on screen, you, oh, this is the main character. Nope, they're going to die. This is the main mm -hmm. character. And I remember being really impressed with that 10 years ago, but my issue now is that I don't have a character to latch onto in this film. No. And it's not necessarily, like, a bad thing, but mm -hmm. because the... It, it's just a lot of things that I'm seeing on screen then. There, there's no connective tissue. And I like everyone in this movie. This cast that he amassed is it's really good. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> but Particularly when you're like, oh, you've got Melissa Leo, and she's going to talk a little bit about a couple of ridiculous things, and then she's just going to die. And yeah. You're thinking, oh, Academy Award nominee well, Melissa Leo? Also, you're sure. three boys. Like, oh, we have three final boys. Granted, like, they're, they're mostly jerks that are not right. likable, no. but... Like, oh, this obviously the least famous one's gonna die first. Okay, well, then it's gonna be on Garano. Nope, he gets killed trying to escape when he fucking leaves his friend to die. <laughs> I do like that moment though, when he I... just gets shot and you think, oh, they shot him trying to escape, and then you realize, yep. oh no, it's, it's the cops. The gay sheriff. <laughs> and then that gay sheriff doesn't get anything, he just gets shot in his car, and you're thinking, oh, hey, I'm so. I think part of it is that Kevin Smith is trying to go for a kind of whiplash effect. Like, he won't let you get comfortable because nothing in this world makes it, sense. But, but that's war. Again, that's why oh, it's a war movie because mm -hmm. every, everything is unceremonious. Everything just happens. There's no time to breathe. Like, no one mourns in this movie because there's no time mm -hmm. to do that. So yeah. on that level, I actually think it's very successful. It's just whether that works for you is, you know, dependent on you as a viewer. It, it's very polarizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to disagree with nobody mourns. There was a lot of mourning in that uh, movie for oh. the... <laughs> I'm sorry. It led to a lot of more violence and hate and, like, terrible shit. 
you're you're right. I guess I don't view those people as characters because I hate them so much. They are psychos. But you're right. There wasn't anybody really to root for. Everybody was terrible. Mm. You I think know? the closest yeah. is you're supposed to go for John Goodman, even though mm. you you see him struggle, but then he commits to the atrocity. So you're supposed to think of him as a bad guy at that point. It's I do like that there are no easy answers with this particular mm-hmm. movie, but because I think with a topic like this, there are no easy discussions to be had because, right. like you said, it's stuff that people don't necessarily want to address. It's stuff that they may want to put on the back burner because it is uncomfortable, but... And I'm not saying Kevin Smith is the filmmaker to do this, but at least he's putting something out there that hopefully will maybe facilitate some discussion and dialogue because I think that's the biggest thing we we lose now is trying to not necessarily... Listen, they're all shit heels. I think even Goodman says yes. something along the lines of, yeah, especially them. But the fact that, you know, for me, I'm always a person that wants to see... I'm agnostic because I'm very wishy-washy. So I always want to see what other people are thinking why are they thinking that? Where did it come from? But when you discover kind of the root of all this stuff, when you realize, you know, they're committing these atrocities in the name of God, a God that a lot of people worship potentially different ways. And it just shows you the variety of ways that it can go wrong and can, can be perverted because I, I know some wonderfully religious people out there that do wonderful things and I love them to death. But on the flip side, you have these people just committing just horrible things saying the most heinous things you know that you can hear and it's just the fact that like you said this could have come out this plays i wanted to play eventually like a cautionary tale rather than being prescient you know and and one thing i actually think is interesting so i mean we all know horror has been like socio-political like there's a lot of horror is a result of you know what's going on in the world but yeah, for it, the last two years or so. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but but for for mainstream audiences who don't read into it as much, like it's it's not as you know, like a, some some random person can go watch Dawn of the Dead and not really read into the consumerism messaging, you know. But I feel like in the past ten ish years is when we've gotten more. I mean, overtly it, political, overtly political horror films, and honestly, Red State is one of the first ones to do that. So I kind of admire Smith or the films even it's oddly prescient in that mm-hmm. way where it's like oh like this is like kickstarting a wave because i i'm also the mindset that um more creative horror better horror comes in times of political unrest because people are angry oh, and absolutely. scared mm-hmm. and so that this came out during the obama administration when again most people quote unquote were fine <laughs> well i think this is smith saying like don't become complacent because these people are still here they're on the fringe they're you know they talk about where this compound is and how it backs onto like a nature commune where they're growing pot Mm -hmm. so it's like it's right in your backyard is where this is all happening which is actually why i i will somewhat facetiously say this but my character that i'm rooting for is the teacher at the beginning of this movie because she's the one with her finger on the pulse okay you know what though no i i I like the fbi agents dakota they were like of course we're gonna fucking kill us (laughs) like that's my character Yeah, I like Kevin Pollock until he got his brain, brains blown out. Okay. He's on screen for a minute, a minute, and he's dead. That's like Kevin Smith had Kevin Pollock over for lunch and was like, hey, put on this SWAT team member Actually, uniform. So I, I, I will say the, the coda for this movie, which I did not realize was was the alternate ending. The original ending like actually had the four horsemen of the apocalypse come down, mm-hmm. and that was the oh, horns. It, it okay. was like going dogma style. Right. I mm. like the 
coda that we have. It, it reminds yeah. me very much of the coda in Burn After Reading when J.K. Simmons is like, it, what the fuck happened? What did we learn? Okay, well, let's, whatever. None of this makes sense. It, That's the vibe I got from this. And I kind of like, it, it put a bit more humor into it. Like it, that, that, that scene feels more Kevin Smith than any of the rest of the film really does to me. Yeah, but I like comedy. it. Yeah. yeah, I like it though. I think it, it, for me, it works. And I like the fact that Kevin Smith went out of his wheelhouse and tackled mm -hmm. something oh, yeah. very serious. And until that last kind of like, well, it is what it is type of ending, then like, it, it was it was very well done and like, very good to see someone who's going to be pigeonholed because I even went in knowing that it's going to be a Kevin Smith movie and it's going to be a little bit more serious, but mm -hmm. I'm waiting for like, you're waiting for poop to come out. Right? I'm ready for, like, okay, you know, yeah. maybe the excremental comes back or something like that. And it wasn't until, like, 20 minutes into the movie, like, this ain't that kind of movie. I, no, I, will, I will say, and I know we're not talking about it, but I actually think that in terms of horror, I do think Tusk is a better, like, is, Kevin's, is a better Kevin Smith than what I have in Red State. But that's mm -hmm. also a movie that is very polarizing. And that one oh, leads shit. further into, like, dark, macabre humor where you don't know if you should laugh or mm -hmm. like be genuinely upset. But see, I like that. I like that kind of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. <laughs> well, and it's also cause like Tusk lends itself to being kind of silly, even though, right. I mean, it's a mad the premise alone, right? <laughs> this one really doesn't lend itself to silliness at all. And so yeah, for sure. again, for him to right out of the gate from like movies mm -hmm. to come into something this hard, you know, that's gotta be like a good, like, look, see what I can do type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I appreciate this movie. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would recommend it to anyone. Like again, oh, yeah. even though I'm sitting here saying, Oh, it's a three out of five. Like I like it, but I don't love it. I would still tell someone, Oh, but absolutely check it out. Like it's worth watching. If a lot, only for Michael Park's 10 minute sermon alone. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's and kind of glorious in a horrifying way. Yeah. It's well, chilling because it's happening. It's mm -hmm. it's happened. I mean, he's based on a true dude, and they're stockpiling weapons. And as we've seen very recently, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So okay. like, yeah, no, I. It, it's it's a tough movie to watch. I couldn't even imagine like, because I would imagine he wants to put in jokes here and there because he's Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. But to show enough restraint to not not have yeah. like. Like the Reverend Snoochies Boochies, you know. <laughs> that no, that that that's actually a really good way to put it, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, it is Kevin Smith that is most restrained because I, I like I actually even in that sense liken it to something like Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. Like it's both of those directors mm -hmm. at their most restrained, trying something out of their wheelhouse. And yes, while again the success may be up and down, you do I, I appreciate that. I, we all appreciate yeah. that. It's You're just not for everybody. They vary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, Rob Zombie himself is a very divisive filmmaker where he has his ardent, you know, just apologists that are going to seek out everything he does. And then the people that just dislike him very much. Kevin Smith very much in that wheelhouse. And I will say the one thing with Tusk, though, he definitely doesn't paint podcasters in the best light between that and <laughs> Halloween no, but 2018. He, but, he, but he is one. Like, he is a... He's a <laughs> <laughs> like that movie is the result of a podcast so right. therefore i don't feel insulted by it because i'm like he's just fucking making fun of himself <laughs> this is true this is true maybe i saw a little bit of myself in Haley joel osmond i guess there more oh, so I mean, all, all those characters are despicable like they're all terrible people <laughs> well and that's the thing with with red state like you yeah. mentioned that the teens themselves are just they're 
they're horny teens. They're, they're hard these, to like. Yes, they're these small town. I'm not going to say backwoods by any means, but you know they're going to talk a certain way. They're going to just yeah. When Kyle Gallner is being put up on that cross, he literally is going, "I'm not gay, but I'm not gay." Because I mean, granted, I get it because they just killed a gay man. Mm-hmm. Like, which, by the way, that execution <gasps> scene is awesome. <laughs> like, really, really. <laughs> yeah. And so clean. It's so efficient. I'm like, oh, well, take you know, notes. Well, I know, right? Easy clean and no fuss, no muss. Right? It seals in the flavor. You no, still no, have no. to get rid of the body, folks. It's not that. Yeah, but there's no blood. There's no blood splatter anywhere. So there's no no one's gonna come with a black light and be like, "Well, you killed someone on this cross right here." Uh, And it was originally gonna be they were gonna put a ram's head on it until they found out that the ram's head was gonna cost too much. So on the fly, they're like, "Well, let's cause the saran wrap and like let's seal it so the blood so the blood staying in is actually a happy accident." And I think it adds a lot. It does the terror and the effect. And another thing, we um. This movie, you we see a lot of ghosts and goblins, and we do see a lot of like real like kill serial killers and stuff like this. But again, to see something this horrific that happens in your backyard, I think hopefully put a spotlight on a lot of terrible shit and made people. And I definitely think that this movie did make people stand and realize the Phelps more often. You know, like, but of course, how can you fucking ignore those assholes? You know. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think again, that good political horror does shine a light on terrible shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the fact that we also a year, ten years before, we had a chance that we talked frailty as well, which is another you know take on religion mm-hmm. gone awry, and it's it's a it's a wonderful you know subject to tackle because it's something that's worldwide and it's something that a lot of people interact with, whether it's well, again. And everyone has a different relationship with it, you know, like how, yep. how a standard, I mean, standard, like, you know, straight white male is going to look at religion a whole lot differently than any kind of queer person would. I mean, again, that's where Joe and I are coming at it from, at least. No, and that's that's the perspective that counts with mm-hmm. that. And that's yeah. ideally where I wasn't glad that a movie like this came through. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, just no. in terms of, wow, this is, you know, going to be a little bit more biting potentially than uh what was what, what then fright night so you know just in okay. terms of what yeah. could have been <laughs> now don't get uh, me with fright night i guess we've got david Tennant wearing leather pants well, that we'll talk I, about for 40 minutes I, I will say i was happy to hear that y'all like fright night because yeah oh. that is one of those underrated no one went to go see it it flopped hardcore and people finally saw it and were like oh this actually is pretty good it's not that bad <laughs> I, know, it's fine <laughs> I, I i was shocked at how much i actually did and again i mm-hmm. love love the original so i had some bias but the bias bit through was fantastic no i'm glad that just in the biggest thing with this when we bring on people and of course you know having them watch the films is hoping they have a good experience you know whether they're revisiting it or you know watching it for the first time so i'm glad at least that red state hit you know you know it scratched a particular itch at this point so that's always good i was happy for the revisit Mm -hmm. same Excellent, excellent. Well, from from a film that is definitely polarizing and diverse, divide a little divisive, to another film that technically is polarizing and divisive. Because believe it or not, I know a lot of people that don't like our next film. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the cabin in the woods. Oh boy, I, I, I love this movie. I love it. Like I, it. 
I do think that this decision at the end of the day is going to be difficult because looking at, again, 2011, it's like this is like a transition year because the Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. to me almost signals the end of like that that meta type. It's like horror. the death nail. Well, yeah, I mean, because it comes out, you know, the same year as Scream 4, which no one went to go. I mean, you know, $40 million of the people went to go see, which is nothing compared to the rest of the franchise. And granted, I don't even think Cabin in the Woods made that much money because um, it was shelved for three years because <laughs> it was supposed to come out in 09. <laughs> And that's what's crazy with this movie, and we've done this actually with a couple of films that were supposed to release. That was, your next was one of those that mm, yeah. you know had that initial one, and it's kind of crazy. Now that being said, was this one that any of you saw during its original theatrical run? Oh, oh, yes. God, yes, Absolutely. Yeah. O- o- opening I was night. waiting for this movie since two thousand and nine. I was like, when is this fucking movie come out? I've had it on my radar for years. I went opening weekend, hated it, was so disappointed with it. And Wait, then really? had to think about it and realize <laughs> yeah. like, oh, was it not giving you exactly what you expect? Because I thought it was just uh, Whedon and Godard playing in horror. Like I didn't expect meta. I didn't expect it to be challenging. I thought it was just going to be like a fun romp. And then it was like, wait, you're making fun of this? Wait, how do I feel about yes. this? Well, because, because, because it's making fun of you. Yes, exactly. It was like, oh, hey, fanboy, check yourself. Like, think about what we're actually doing here. It's, yeah, I, I saw it opening weekend. Um, I remember uh, the, it was 30 minutes late starting, and it was a house full of, like, horror fans who were like, give me Joss Whedon, which brings a whole lot different now. Yeah, imagine that. Um, also uh, welcome back to 2021. Yeah. Oh, things have changed. And you better believe that theater offered everyone free passes to the next movie because they were, like, people were, like, getting ready to riot. <laughs> this 30 minutes late after waiting for three years for this fucking movie. Right. Now, so Trace, did you have the the Joe reaction where you had to think about it and ruminate it, or was it was just like love at first sight? I I don't want to say it was love at first. I liked it at first sight. Um, it's definitely one like I, I mean I'm not a genius, I, and I'm not always super smart. I didn't know. I didn't really get that the Elder Gods were us. That is 100 percent something that I came across in a stupid fucking was it a screen rant ending, ending explained, explained article, article. <laughs> and I was. I, <laughs> And, and I, I, I can't even believe I'm admitting that loud. I should just like fucking say, oh yeah, I totally knew that, but I didn't. Um, I, I clocked that shit immediately. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's one that I like more and more. It's actually, okay, I'm, I'm lying a little bit. Like, it's like, I liked it more and more. And it's not like, I, I want to say around 2015, 2016. It's not that I like, like it less and less every time I watch it, but it's like, I want to rewatch it less and less right. as the years go on. I still think it's a fantastic film. I just don't have the itch to revisit it very often anymore. I think the novelty starts to wear yeah. off a little bit. Like it's so fresh and exciting and dynamic when you first see it. And then you want to go back and unpack it and do the screen caps of all of the monsters mm-hmm. in the cages and like, Oh, uh, look at the whiteboard and imagine the films that we could have had with some of these other creatures and all that kind of stuff. And then at a certain point you're like, cool. Yeah. Now it's just really well done. All right. I'm going to go watch something else. Yeah. Well, screen four. And all of that recently, and I'll still fucking watch that movie, but I can see what you mean as in like, but it's almost like when you quit drinking or quit one of your vices for a little bit, not because you want to better yourself, but because the next time you do it, it's going to be that much sweeter. Right. So I think <laughs> it's along those lines, you know, I, I wouldn't watch Cabin in the Woods 
every year. You know, I wouldn't put them like in my Halloween rotation. But if it's been like two or three years since I've seen Cabin in the Woods and someone goes, hey, you want to watch Cabin in the Woods? That's what I was going to say, Genius, though. So, yeah, like, here's the thing. I, by myself, I'm not going to put – that's not a comfort movie I'm going to put on every watch. However, mm -hmm. if I know someone who at least like, is moderately into horror who tells me, I've never seen Cabin in the Woods, I am 100% oh, yeah. going to put it on because mm -hmm. I want to watch them watch this movie. Like, I want to mm -hmm. see their yeah. reactions to this. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I will I will agree with you, Genius. Like, we watched this for our Patreon audio commentary last year, and I hadn't seen it in probably four or five years, and I was like, oh, gosh, right, okay, this is really good. And even moments like um, when Sigourney Weaver shows up, oh. and you're just like, fuck, yes. Just, <laughs> like, genius casting, she's so great in the role, and it, it's small, but it's memorable, and that movie is really great at delivering not just the twist and the savvy commentary, but, like, it it is quietly prescient, too, right? I mean, we've got all these character actors who break out a couple of years afterwards, or, mm -hmm. I mean, in between when the movie was supposed to come out and when it actually Yeah, does. I mean, obviously you have Chris Hemsworth. I mean, like, Joe and I are big Spartacus fans, so the girl that plays, um, oh my god, it's her name is Anna Hutchison, but what is her name in the movie? The, the, the whore. Jules. Jules. Like, yeah, Jules. she was on Spartacus for a season. Kristen Connolly's mm -hmm. done work on in, uh, The Bay. And yeah, Jesse Williams on uh, Grey's, Grey's Anatomy. Anatomy. So, I mean, like, they've all broken out to varying degrees of success. Um, yeah, I was, I was like, the Fran Kranz fan in the audience. Like, uh, yeah, Dolls, give me that doll. <laughs> well, and there's so much genre connectivity with this film as well, just in terms of where it came from, where it was going, where it is. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And we adore the peripheral viewing experience with people, especially oh, yeah. seeing that reaction that first time. And especially if they're making the connections, if they're not, if you want to, you know, help them along with that. And this is one that actually we did for Patreon as well. It was a review and request and I had not seen it probably in a good seven or eight years and okay. revisiting it that, I mean, it was revelatory. I mean, I was just like, wow, I, I really like this movie. Now I will say yes. though, within then probably then the next year genius, we reviewed it for here. It didn't hit as well, but, yeah. but the thing that it did make me want, and I will go to my grave wanting this now is a prequel with Bradley Cooper and Richard Jenkins characters at least seeing like a successful whatever it goes on because I don't know what it is about one Richard Jenkins but I can watch that man do just about anything freak yeah. out uh, and it's just the fact that they have these great character actors with the teens that broke out the people behind the scenes are all a lot of weed nights uh, Amy Acker showing up there um yeah. It's, Tom Lank. Tom, yeah, I mean, so it's it's for all you brown coat people. Again, when Whedon had it, I, that universe, we won't even say his name, just the universe that that exists. It was nice, especially because yeah. I was a Buffyverse person. I'm an angel. Well, person. no, I mean, yeah, like when that came out. I mean, again, it comes out in, well, right, when it was, 2011, 20, yeah. So it, it's like you know, eight years after Buffy ends, seven years after Angel ends, Firefly is out. Um, Dollhouse had two seasons, and like I think that was what he did right before this, and that was out. So it's like oh, we're getting more of this type of stuff, which mm -hmm. is really great. Like, if, if if you were even a tiny fan of Whedon and his his TV work, like, that... that it's him in his heyday. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, there was an apex. As horror fans, too, I think we covet the idea that we discover people before they break big. So, you know, people are then like, oh, well, he goes on to direct the Avengers. And you're like, yeah, we knew him first. Um, And of course, now we get to rescind all of that and be like, oh, actually, he's a piece of shit and other people contributed to this. And that's the weird thing, too, right? Like, like with with the pushback of the timeline, the Avengers comes out a few months after Cabin in the Woods. Because, like, I don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> hey, and then that means then Thor then would come out probably then a few years after. I mean, it's just incredible the talent that they brought together with that. It's it's very intimidating. I'm not gonna lie. Um, no, I this is one of those movies that I definitely appreciate mm-hmm. more than I absolutely love it. But I think genius, you're absolutely correct. This is like a bottle of wine. You know, you only yep. break it out on special occasions. Yep, yeah. yeah, let it age absolutely. Yeah. It has I aged pretty well. I think it will be a good movie to show like horror normies too, especially ones that oh, are yeah. like, yeah. oh, why does she always drop the weapon? Or how come they're always tripping? And like, they just want to go out in the woods to like have sex. It's kind of cool to like show them like, we've heard these complaints yeah. before, and yeah. here's an answer to that. Yeah, so, I think, I think. I think it works equally well if you're a diehard horror fan or if you're a casual horror fan. Or I think even if you don't like horror, I think it's an accessible film. Like, yes, you oh, won't yeah. get a lot of the in-jokes that are in it, but it's still, like, on its own without that. It's still an enjoyable film. So mm-hmm. I think, like, if I was – I think it's actually a good form of gateway horror, even though it's yeah. clearly made for horror fans. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, I hate sounding gatekeepy like that, but, like, no. I, I think, I think but- that's the best way to put it. It, it, it highlights and celebrates and mocks the tropes yeah, that nice. is happening. So it and does it's, it's reverent to that, right? Like, it's yeah. not saying, oh, you are idiots for liking this, we're making fun of you. Like, it, it never goes into parody. So I, I think you can see how much they admire, but also are frustrated. Like, I know a lot of the interviews when the film was coming out, they talked about how much they were just like, well, I'm kind of done with what we're seeing in horror right now, but I still love the genre, and I want to give it its due, give it its credit. And, and that's what I'm trying to say, though, right? That's where I'm like, okay, this feels like a transitionary year, because films like mm-hmm. Heaven in the Woods, with that sheen, that studio sparkle, this is like the end of that. I mean, again, obviously, they, we still get them. We, okay. they're still right. thing, but they're not like they're not the big things anymore what we start seeing because uh, insidious comes out well technically 2010 because it's the festival premiere but insidious gets a theatrical release this year which is a that's one of blumhouse's first films after paranormal activity so we start seeing more scrappy independent mm-hmm. horror starting again. here which again is why even though again scream for uh but pairing cabin in the woods with red state it works because it feels like cabin in the woods is closing out an era of horror for me and, and- red state is beginning one it's like it's like Cat in the Woods is the one last laugh hurrah before everything turns into eight twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind exactly. of all the better then that it does end up getting delayed, right? Because had it come out in two thousand and nine as originally intended, I don't know that it I think it would have hit as well in that year, but I don't think it would have aged as well because people would have been like, oh, it's just caught in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. Whereas here we can actually say, oh, it feels like it is wrapping things up. Yeah, like, like it's, the, it's the rap party. <laughs> it is, and that's why it's such a fucking yeah. good time. Yeah, that's the one where everybody's like popping bottles and, and like, yep. and just having betting pools and just doing all kinds of cool shit. Yeah, let that merman and that unicorn out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say it again, there's still nothing that still makes me laugh harder than Richard Jenkins cursing at a bunch of little Asian schoolgirls. <laughs> that just, ah. Uh. Fuck you! 
but also I want that movie and I want the one that's either set in like Sweden or whatever that's supposed to be Kong, well, yeah, which right. I guess we're getting now. No, it, I, th- that's actually my one big thing because because this movie didn't make that much money. I mean, it made it did fine, but mm. again, for the budget, I don't think it did as well. It, it underperformed for sure. Mm-hmm. But I I I hate that we could have had like essentially an anthology series of films showing I don't know other things in the cabin that they mm-hmm. pick up. Or again, the other the other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I want the Korea. other countries. Yeah. In Japan, it's like uh, the girl in the well. Like that's the name of the movie there. You know. <laughs> I'd like to think the Ital- the Italian one would feature a lot of eye trauma potentially. You know. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the the man with the black gloves, like yes. <laughs> the cabin with the crystal plumage. There we go. <laughs> But yeah, I would love to see that, or even like alternate universes where they pick up the Hellraiser orb, or like mm-hmm. things like that, you know. And yeah. like you said earlier, uh, a reboot their their first day at internship, and they're watching a successful one, and it's set in the eighties or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Oh they, yeah. See, that's actually a prequel that would be really the the only downside is you would know that everyone in the cast would die. At least everyone in in the experiment and right. in, in the ritual yeah, would right. die. But it would still be fun to yeah to see it play in other eras, other genre, other subgenres, and things like that. It'd be really fun to like do that prequel and cast actors who look like. Uh, horror actors from the 80s heyday so it's like this uh, this actress and it's like that woman looks suspiciously like a Barbara Crampton, Crampton stand yes, in yes. I mean we, we kind of kind <laughs> of get that with something like the final girls a little bit a little bit um, but like something like maybe a bit more I don't know not less tongue in cheek I guess than that because I think that one's a little bit more heavy handed with its meta yeah well and yeah. it's a little less on though i really liked the final rules oh, I, yeah, when i got around the, the, the betty davis eyes thing just brings me mm-hmm. to tears every single time it's horrible oh, yeah. now there's that well and you've mentioned it before this should exist this should be expanded upon so it's i'm hoping down the line someone will take up the cabin in the woods lineage because there's so many ways this could go it's almost like the way halloween 3 was supposed to start all the anthologies yeah. and stuff and to go yeah. away. I'd be curious to see if we can make this happen or if it, if it eventually happens, Hell, who knows it'll end up on like Amazon prime as a 10 <laughs> episode mini series or something. It'd be like an American horror story. It'd be like out in the woods, colon. <laughs> Just keep Ryan Murphy. Away right. from it, <laughs> this, no. So I, I've been going through all, like all of South park during the pandemic and I'm, I'm in, I'm in like the later seasons, but I just watched one where they're spoofing Netflix, which was like in the beginning of like the Netflix, like original programming heyday from, uh, which I guess like what, five or six years ago. And there's a whole thing where they have like a call center at Netflix and they'll, they'll just answer the phone and be like, Netflix, you're greenlit. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah. I guess now it'd be like three seasons, you're canceled. And you're canceled? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. We're not going to release the ratings. Forget it, forget it. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Well, we obviously really enjoyed both of these films, but only one can represent the year of 2011 in the round of the Frightful Four. So we are going to be showing our work here with two bits of criteria. Now, the first one is abstract, and the idea is to create a definition or an aesthetic of what horror films were like in the year of 2011. And based on that definition, which film fits it better? So, of course, going to sh- uh, throw it out to our guests first. Tracer Joe, which one of you like to tackle this first? I, so, I'm honestly going to say the aesthetic of 2011, even though I still think it's a mix. Looking at this list of 2011 horror films, I feel like it's a 50-50 split between this studio sheen and this scrappy indie stuff. I'm going to go with 
the studio sheen on the way out. We're still trying to make that like a thing. Like, I'm sorry, we're trying to keep it a thing. Um, and it's just really polished and looking good. Like we're kind of at the late bit, uh, end of the remake boom where, I mean, Cabin in the Woods is something original and fresh that's like different, but still looks like films of the time. Um, as opposed to Red State, which I feel like is maybe predicting the future. So I, I would say the aesthetic of 2011 is more in like, t- the Cabin in the Woods is more in line with what I'm, I'm imagining. If 2011 were a picture, <laughs> like it would look like Cabin in the Woods to me and less Red State. That is That's perfect. interesting because when I looked at the list, I felt like I was seeing a lot of really nihilistic properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just because I was looking at some of the smaller budget kind of indie films or the foreign films. Um, but like this is the year that The Divide comes out, the Xavier Jean film. Mm-hmm. And like that is honestly one of the meanest, cruelest films I've probably ever seen in my life. So, um, you know, I, I looked at the list and I just thought, oh, I feel like Red State actually embodies a lot of the dialogue that we were having. And maybe it's because we are coming up on, you know, anniversaries of things like 9-11, which, you know, yes, we're in the Obama years, but I think we're still dealing with trauma like a decade later. And I feel like we start to see a lot of that in this particular year. So for me, I think Red State is actually a little bit more indicative of where we're at. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Wonderful right, showing of the work there. Yeah, genius. <laughs> think like it was said earlier it's it's the rise of the 824 era i think things are getting darker and the, you see a lot of like the rise of the in the conservative movement you know and, and it just people are getting angry and they're more scared and movies at that time start dealing with harder subjects that are in your face and start becoming overtly political or like we said earlier horror has always been political but it's always been subtle and I think now we're seeing a lot of more overt. And I think for that, and especially with the, like, the homegrown terrorism angle, hmm. I'm going to go with Red State for more indicative of 2011. All right. And I'm going to kind of Cronenberg, kind of what all three of you have said, because there is one, when I was looking at the films, I definitely saw a divide between the old guard and the new guard just in terms of some up-and-coming... You've got, like, less franchise films. Um, they're really dying out at this point. I think there was a Hellraiser sequel, potentially, but I'm sure that was just to, you know, make sure they retain the rights. the rights. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but then you also saw sequels from some of the newer ones. I think this you gave us the Centipede... Human Centipede 2, of all things. Yes. I mean, a rundown of, like, what what I'm saying versus what you two y'all are saying. So, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, when I think of 2011, I've got drive angry. I've got, don't be afraid of the dark <laughs> final destination five fright night. Um, there is human centipede two, uh, paranormal activity three, yep. scream Four, mm. red riding hood, shark night, the thing, but, oh, and you're next, which I guess is more indie, but again, like to go with y'all, like look at Ab- Mike Flanagan's absentia, um, detention, uh, uh, Grave Encounters, Hellraiser Revelations, Ooh, Hostel okay. Part 3, uh, Ty West, The Innkeepers, uh, right. The Tunnel, which is a really good found footage movie, and The Woman, The Woman. Mm-hmm. So, is, I mean, it, it's like... It is, it's tough. 50-50. And, and then even, I, so my, my definition or aesthetic is more on New Blood, taking it back all the way to the beginning with a little semen, but, <laughs> and then it's kind of defining what the new blood is. And for me, it is going to be someone maybe going into a new direction potentially. 
and offering something new from what they were doing before. And for that, based on that, I am also going to say Red State. Now, our second question, we're going to go uh, not even abstract with this one, but we are, you know, praising a lot of love on these films 10 years after their release date. So the question is this, which of the two films will we still be, which film will we giving more love to 10 years later down the line? See, okay, here's the thing. We, we, we are giving Cabin in the Woods the conversation 10 years later. 100%, yes. But, but that being said, if everyone went out and watched Red State today, I feel like there'd be a lot of conversations about it. But I, 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 so again, the answer is Cabin in the Woods for me, but I could see a world where it would be Red State. Yeah, I agree with that completely. But the simple fact is, is like, I said I was watching Red State and people were like, oh, is that the Kevin Mm -hmm. Smith movie? Like, what is that? This is a movie that didn't make a cultural impact. We can talk about how good it is, Mm -hmm. but nobody's talking about it. It's Cabin in the Woods. Excellent, excellent. Genius. I think we're going to be talking about Cabin in the Woods because it is the more accessible film. It is the one that people are going to show normies just to see the periphery viewings. It's going to be the ones that people have paused and analyzed and looked at and saw and pondered and wished and hoped for their own movies. It's going to be us. We're going to be talking. We probably will talk more about Cabin in the Woods in general conversation than we would in Red State. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll get to a point where we won't have to talk about red state, but <laughs> you know, but I still think we'll live in a world where we'll want to talk about cabin in the woods. Yeah. yeah. I guess right. Like red states feels more relevant, like subject matter wise today than cabin. Oh, woods. sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for me, it just all comes down to one word and that word is fun. And I have more fun with cabin in the woods. And yeah. Oh, yeah. because of that, I think, naturally I'm going to probably seek that one out potentially a little bit more, but I also do agree that both of them have a lot of merit and regardless of which one we're talking about 10 years from from now, hopefully we're, we're just still praising love and letting people explore. But it looks like technically we're at a tie here Four votes apiece (laughs) for both red state and cabin in the woods, which means we have to go to a certain uh, little magazine and on the cover of the old fango, gonna buy one copy for my mother. Gonna watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old fango. And this one is more difficult because back in 2011, on the cover of Fangoria, we did have Cabin in the Woods. But I'm looking here, and I think maybe one of the newer publications that they put out. I'm not sure if this was a real one or not, but I'm seeing a Kevin <laughs> Smith inspired, right. but that Wait, just has. I don't think that counts if it's not original from that year. Ah, I like that. Also, is that not just the cover where like you could put yourself on Fangoria? Because I feel like <laughs> I, I have a cover like that. of the year, Time magazine. Like... He is a little achiever. Well, you know what achieved and it wasn't little. A certain film in the world in the is we didn't hit the purge button because Cabin in the Woods will be going to the round of the Frightful Four, representing right. the year of 2011, which means our final matchups here for the Frightful Four. We have American Werewolf in London going up against Bones, and then we have. Okay, I love Bones, so don't oh, laugh. About oh no no no! 
Bones too. Bones won for a fucking reason. I mean, like, <laughs> is that 2001? Is that 2001? That's 2001, right? Yep. And then oh we have Silence of the Lambs going up against Cabin in the Woods. Which oh, fuck. I, have fun with that, boys. <laughs> well, thankfully, it is now up to our listeners because on Saturday, we will have... <laughs> out of our hands. Yes. It's <laughs> out of our hands. <laughs> we, just, we, we can lay a horse to water, but we can't make it vote. So <laughs> And vote you can on all social media. We'll have that all over this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and of course, the championship round on Monday. But we could not have gotten here without the help of just my favorite dynamic duo, Trace Joe. Thank you so much for taking the time out and talking with us on this. This has been a blast. Well, thank you for having us. Again, having us back, by the way. I'm glad we didn't scare yes. you off with Black Sheep. <laughs> not at all. I'm glad we didn't scare you off. Yeah. <laughs> conversations. Sadly, I keep coming back for the semen talk, so I guess it's no. more on me. That's more on me. That's- that's Joe. He's like, when we get off, he's like, Trace, they don't talk about semen enough. <laughs> yes, these are definitely words that have come out of my mouth. Well, no, it is. There's a lot of stuff that's been recorded before we go on that will never see the light of day. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> called, that co- that's called uh, podcast co-host blackmail. <laughs> yeah. you, try to, you try to burn me, I will salt the earth with the unaired uh, footage. <laughs> The, un- the unairable as it is. No, but we sincerely appreciate it. Now, that being said, next week we are going to be starting to panic here in the month of April as we are going to have our Panic Fest preview episode with hopefully both of the uh, founders of the Panic Film Fest and then along with a number of other films that we've experienced through the years there. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius Vicky. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.